Okay, so that's Friday, Black Friday. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, special show on Friday, Black Friday on Black Friday. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Black Friday, April 15th, 2011. It's been more than a year and a half now, can you believe it? And uh, tonight we have a special show, special interview with Chad Ellie who is a convicted online poker payment processor. He was in the indictment on April 15, 2011, was arrested on that day. And uh, we have him on the show tonight. And this entire show is going to be an interview with Chad. You may have read articles where he's been interviewed already. We probably will duplicate some of that material. But uh, my goal for this show is both to have all of my questions for Chad as a payment processor, former payment processor, answered, uh, and, and find out all the things that were going on behind the scenes, but also to present to the listener a very uh, complete picture. Because I know a lot of you don't follow this really, really closely. A lot of you don't follow every little bit of news and follow you know the names of all the different uh, players in this whole saga, with Black Friday and the payment processing and the arrests and who was busted and who wasn't busted. It's very hard to keep up with unless you spend a lot of time uh, combing through all the details. And unfortunately, what I've seen elsewhere on the web, you can't go anywhere and get just a very clear, cohesive picture of the entire situation without already knowing a whole lot. So that's what I'm going to try to strive for tonight, to where people who don't know very much about it can follow, plus people who do know a whole lot about it can also follow and maybe learn something as well. And uh, so we're going to put Chad Ellie on here very shortly. It's been a little bit difficult to get a hold of him. He's been very busy. And uh, he's actually going to prison. He's going to federal prison in January of 2013 and will be there for five months. So it's just a matter of time. It's, it's not in question anymore. He's actually going to prison for online poker payment processing. And uh, we're going to get a lot more into that. I have a lot of good questions for him. And at the end of the whole interview, we are going to take phone calls for Chad if he has time. And uh, you guys can ask your questions. The only thing I ask from you guys is that uh, you keep the questions serious. Don't call up with with crank calls or joke questions or anything else like that. That's not what this show is about. Um, Our other shows that we have every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock are kind of more of the comedy format, where we we mess around a lot and we uh, make a lot of prank calls of our own and we don't take ourselves seriously. This is one of the few shows, one of the rare shows where we're just totally being serious. So there's not going to be an entertainment factor in this show, and I ask if you do call at the end of the show that uh, you keep along that theme. So anyway, uh, I'm going to put Chad on right now, and uh, if he doesn't answer his phone, I'm going to look pretty stupid, because I've already said a few times he's going to be on this show in the past, and uh, it didn't pan out. But I believe he's going to be here tonight, and um, you know he's made a number of commitments to me today. reason there wasn't much notice about this show is because I didn't know it would really happen until today at about 3 o'clock. So I found out when you found out, and uh, Chad is available tonight at this time, so I figured you might as well jump on it on this Friday that probably nobody's working. Probably you don't have all that much to do. Just that it's a Friday where you had the whole day off, and uh, maybe you're recovering from the Black Friday sales, standing in long lines. So just relax and listen to this interview that is completely live, by the way. Not taped, not, I'm not pretending it's live and it's really taped. I'm going to call him right now. Hopefully I'll reach him. And, uh, you know, enjoy this interview. If you got any questions, you can call up. I'll give the phone number at the end of the show. I will not be taking calls during the interview, so uh, don't bother to call in. But I will make a call out right now to Chad Ellie. And uh, Brandon's not with us tonight. 
He was unable to make it because of the last-minute nature of this. So it'll just be me, Chad Ellie, and whoever else decides to call. Two rings, uh-oh. I guess the three, I'm going to worry. Hello? Oh, Chad Ellie. Hello, and welcome to PokerFraudAlert.com radio. I am Todd Dandruff-Wittellis. I'd like to welcome you to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for you? coming on. It's uh, been a little bit difficult getting this set up, but I'm very glad we have you on here. And uh, um, I, I th- Is this going to be your first uh, live radio interview about this? I know you did uh, an interview with uh, Diamond Flush that was recorded, but this is actually live, so... Anything we say, it's uh, it's too late. Can't edit it. Anything else like that? <laughs> yes, it's live. Yeah, first first live. Very very good. Okay, so I'm, I'm as soon as you came out on Twitter, I, I was very excited to get you. I, I really really wanted to get you on this show because this this site, PokerFraudAlert.com, we we focus on all the, the the kind of like the seedy underbelly of online poker the, to let people know about the things going on that they may not know about that they as players should be aware of. And of course, there's no bigger story along those lines than uh, than Black Friday and, and w- what happened at Full Tilt and all of that. And, and you were so much in the middle of that. And to have somebody who, who was actually convicted, an online poker uh, processor who was convicted and is going to be serving time shortly, uh, to just come out and say, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spill the beans. I'm gonna tell people what was really happening." I, I think that's very, very valuable to the poker community, and uh, and I really wanted uh, that message to get out. And I'm glad it's already gotten out on some other websites. Uh, but I, I had some questions of my own, so uh, yeah, I, I prepared a number of questions for you. And um, for the listeners here, he has no idea what I'm gonna ask. Um, basically, he just agreed to come on, and uh, I'm gonna shoot some questions at him and. Uh, um, these questions here are, uh, you know, j- just about all about the payment process and the Black Friday, all that. Um, there may be some duplicated content to some other interviews you've done, Chad, because obviously, you know, we all, we all have a lot of the same questions. I've read all the interviews already, like on Diamond Flesh, and, uh, the, the yeah. reason I'm, I, we may duplicate some things is similar, our listeners don't read all that stuff. They don't have any familiarity beyond... You're a payment processor. You got in some trouble on Black Friday, and that's it. So I kind of want everyone to be able to follow this from start to finish. So that'll kind of be the format of this interview. And uh, anything else you'd like to say, by the way, that doesn't fall into the scope of my questions, you're, you're very welcome to uh, stop and interject. Or uh, um, at the end, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to say whatever you'd like to say, and, and even for some callers to call in and ask you questions if uh, I didn't cover everything that they uh, they'd like to hear about. So, uh, I, I guess before we begin, um, let, let's let's start uh, very very simple here. <laughs> what were you convicted for? What what was the actual conviction? How long is your sentence going to be? Yeah, I uh, I pled guilty to conspiracy to violate IGBA, a legal gambling business act, and. Uh, um, to conspiracy to violate uh, or to conspiracy for bank fraud. Um, you have to meet one count um, of that two-part conspiracy, and my sentence is five months. Report January third. So, okay. So January third, you have to report to a, a federal prison, and you spend five months there. Is it going to be a real five months that you can't get any time off good behavior, or is it uh, could it be less than that? 
um, the federal prison is a 85% time served, um, but you have to serve a, at least one year and one day, so it's a full five months. Okay. And um, can you now speak 100% freely about everything without incriminating yourself further? I'm I'm open to uh, to everything. All right, very good. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what why I came out. I mean, when I was going to trial, I couldn't couldn't speak about anything. Uh, my hands were tied. I was fully committed to go to trial, and um, you know, then when I uh, pled guilty, um, I still couldn't talk. And now that I've been sentenced, um, my case is closed. So. Yeah, so it's over. So now you can say what you want and go. You do your time, and that's it. So okay, so very simply here, just so the uh, the people who aren't experts on this whole situation and don't really know very much about poker payment processing. Uh, just very simply, and I'm not asking you to uh, yet to explain your role in any of this, but uh, can you explain briefly how poker payment processing works? Let's say somebody deposited, uh, and I'm talking about like a few years ago, uh, deposited uh, $500 to Poker Stars in like 2010. And, and you know, all they see from the player standpoint is their bank account or their credit card is charged 500 bucks and they get that in their PokerStars account. But what's actually going on behind the scenes, just just very briefly to facilitate this as a with, with a payment processing? Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. It's still the same process as it is today. Um, you know, the, the the player's information is passed on to the payment processor real-time, um, populates into either electronic check or a uh, uh, ACH format um, to get processed um, to the bank. Um, that information gets passed on real time. The information comes back, and we let Poker Stars or Full Tilt know, um, you know, if the transaction's good or not. Um, and it's as simple as that. It's almost as using a credit card. Hmm. So, okay. And um, how did you get into the payment processing industry? Not talking about poker yet, but just uh, I know you had a background in just general payment processing. How, how did you get involved in that, and, and when did you get involved? You know, just you know, pretty much. Uh, you know, from 2002 on, um, I was in the online marketing industry, um, and you know, we did a lot of online marketing. Uh, into 2006 is when I really had an exclusive contract with uh, the selling source out of Las Vegas, um, and we marketed to their consumers, um, to their payday loan consumers, and you know, we did about we touched around about 120,000 consumers on a daily basis, and um, we noticed a trend that payment processes were literally just taking off with our money, taking off with our reserves. Um, and, you know, we wanted to get into that industry, not because of that, but to, to, to provide a, a good solution that um, you're not always wondering where your money's going. So it wasn't just a poker industry that people are, are stealing the money from. It's just a general payment processors. Uh, you know, it's a lot of business models uh, rely on that. So I said, look, let's get into that. Uh, let's get into that industry and, you know, let's, uh, let's start processing. It wasn't about, you know, poker. Yeah, yeah. Time. And and uh, did you have any kind of background in finance or anything else like that, or are you just kind of self-taught uh, getting in this industry in the first place? No, no, no finance. Something a lot of people don't know is that you were involved kind of indirectly with disgraced poker payment processor and scammer Daniel Svetkov. He's the guy who stole $100 million from, from Poker Stars and Full Tilt. Uh, you had some involvement with him, not in stealing, but uh, can you explain how this happened? How did you get to know him, and how did you get involved with him from a business standpoint? Yeah, you know, he came to came to America, and, um, you know, he's a very, very flamboyant guy. Um, he was supposed to be the largest payment processor in the world um, outside of the U.S., 
and the selling source was was uh, trying to get him to to process. I'm sorry, not to process, but to invest into the payday loan market. Uh, and at the time, I like I said, I had a contract with a selling source, so I was marketing to their consumers. I thought it would be a perfect perfect fit to to market to Daniel Sleshkoff's uh, consumer base, which we tried. Um, in the very beginning, it didn't pan out because it turned out to be uh, um, just not not the right fit. It was a, a better fit to stay with the selling source. So we crossed paths um, right then and there as initial um, meeting with the selling source. Just to give the users a, a frame of reference here, what exactly is the selling source? You've made, mentioned that a few times. Yeah, selling source is a I think 500 company. Um, they're almost a billion in revenue. They do payday loan, um, primarily payday loans. Um, and a payday loan is a short-term loan if you need five to $1,500 um, from paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and they're the, one of the largest in the world. Um, and that's everything they do, and uh, they didn't have anything outside of, of that. I read another interview where you said that your role initially working with Daniel Tvetkoff and his company Intabil was simply to find him banks that would process his payments and connect him with those banks. Um, so at this point, when you, when you started working with him, uh, were you completely of the belief that you were processing only payday loans? In the beginning, yeah. In the beginning, um, you know, it was just payday loans, um, you know, a, a, a wide variety of things. Um, you know, he also processed porn, um, pharmacy, and things like that. Um, so not at the beginning, didn't know anything about uh, poker. Uh, but as as we move forward in the relationship, obviously that, that came out. So. so you were processing things for him. You didn't believe it was poker. And I read some information that he and, and another guy named Curtis Pope, and I guess before we get into that, who, who is Curtis Pope, and, and what's his relationship with you? You know, Curtis is a, um, he worked for the selling source. He was one of their executive vice presidents, um, charge of new business. Uh, he was the one that um, I had to talk to to get into the selling source, form a relationship with them. Um, you know, he's a, uh, you know, backlog on Curtis Pope. I think he's, you know, got about 12 felony convictions, um, eight misdemeanors. Yeah, it sounds like that guy's pretty bad news. And in fact, he was, because I heard that the two of them actually owed you money and were not paying and were pretty much ripping you off. I read an incredible story, and uh, it was that uh, after you got the money from uh, Tvetkov and Curtis Pope by, by withdrawing money out of a bank account that you had access to, that uh, basically they owe you the money, you went to a bank account, you, you withdrew the money, they actually owed you, so you weren't stealing from them. But... Uh, you actually were able to withdraw the money they owed you, and then you, you got a visit at your office by two guys who seemed like they were Italian mobsters. They are kind of representing themselves that way. Can you tell us what happened there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's identical to what I said before. I mean, these, these two, two guys came to the door of my, my office. Now, I, had a, I was traveling out to Vegas, um, you know, spending three weeks at a time to selling stores, coming back home. We had a very small office in, in Tampa, Florida. Uh, so, you know, these two guys came, came to the door, I cracked the door open, they jammed their foot in, um, uh, and asked if they wanted to speak to me. I asked them who they were. They said, you know why we're here. And, uh, you know, we walked, I brought them into my, my office and closed the door behind me. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I had a concealed weapons, uh, permit and I had a gun and, uh, but, you know, I'll be honest, I'm scared of guns. I no longer have guns anymore, but, um, I did, did carry a gun with me and, uh, I sat down and they were very aggressive, um, asking me about, about the money and being very, you know, loosey goosey with, uh, you know, what they were there for, um, 
you know, and I just kept on saying, what are you, what are you here for? You know why we're here. You know why we're here. I mean, it was, it was straight out of the Sopranos. Um, so, so they were the coming over they because of, because of you taking the money that was owed to you out of that bank account. And then, uh, so, so, so these guys were sent there to intimidate you. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and they did a good job. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was scared. Um, but you know, I did, did have a gun. And, uh, as I pulled it out of my briefcase, uh, I, took the clip and I didn't even have the clip in it and I put the clip into the gun and you hear the clip, you know, and, uh, that's when the guy, Hey, we don't have to go there. And, uh, well, first <laughs> stood up and he said, well, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And we don't have to go there. And he, his hand was shaking and, uh, you know, this guy's shaking and I'm like, okay, you know, this, this isn't obviously, uh, you know, these, these guys aren't who they're presenting to be. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, thought they were just going to come in there and scare you and then you pull a gun and now they get worried that you're going to shoot them. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so and, they, uh, <laughs> that so, was so, it. They put on, you know, uh, the guy tried to wipe his fingerprints off with a, with a piece of paper. Um, you know, I told him I'd do it for him and I put it behind me and, um, you know, he put, he, you know, proceeded to put Curtis Pope on the phone and, uh, you know, when Curtis started talking, we sat there probably about 15 to 20 minutes, uh, um, you know, talking, they were trying to, you know, the younger guy, the muscle guy I called him was trying to to go on my desk and, and pick up papers and I got really upset that he was touching it and the older guy reprimanded him and um and they said they didn't want to come back if you know they're forced to come back then you know there's going to be problems that whole whole threat so, and, so, so, uh, so they still threatened you after you pulled the gun <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah so now and they uh and this was this was a Curtis Pope who sent them over to intimidate you after you took the money that you were rightfully owed so, so eventually, I know it, it all crashed down there for Daniel Svetkov. What's uh, been well publicized now that uh, he stole a hundred million dollars combined from Poker Stars and Full Tilt th- uh, through his payment processing. Now, when I heard this story, I I couldn't believe it. I said, "How can a guy steal that much money?" I know they process a lot of money through through these sites, <laughs> but but how could someone steal a hundred million dollars without it being detected? So, so how exactly was that pulled up? How did Svetkov steal? this much money from these two sites uh, and takes so long for them to realize that that money was missing. Yeah. I mean, from what I know that they, you know, they knew at, at some point that there was, uh, but it was actually towards the end that the money was missing. Daniel kept on lying that the, you know, when you're, when you process payments, there's two forms, the ways to do um, reserves to protect the bank. Um, you know, a 10% reserve, rolling reserve, um, where you take 10% of the transaction, you hold it at the bank until it reaches a certain amount, or you just put up the cash to protect the bank from any chargeback consumers or return consumers. And and Daniel just kept on saying that, you know, two things, that he needed a bigger reserve um, at these banks so they're requiring more reserve and or he was paying them out later. Um, a payment, a check payment typically takes two to three days to clear um, the bank. So processes will pay you within seven days. Um, Daniel kept on moving that day um, to 14 days and then moving it to 21 days. And this was over a period of time. So, you know, he's telling Full Tilt, hey, you know, I, I'm paying you Monday through Friday the following Friday. Well, instead, now we're doing two weeks in arrear. And now we're doing three weeks in arrear. But he would do it slowly. So he would amass this amount of money uh, that he had in the rear. I and see. The and and uh, was, <laughs> was he doing this because, um, you know, he was – thinking, hey, I'm stealing from them and I'm going to keep doing it? Or was he stealing because he felt uh, he had to steal because uh, he, he was such a free spender that he was broke? 
you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what his thought process was behind that. Uh, I mean, he was making a lot of money processing, period. Um, but I think he, he was on this rampage of buying things. I mean, you know, 100-plus foot yacht, a racing team, um, a nightclub in, in Brisbane. He, You know, there's investments here people the public don't know about. He he bought into a uh, a bar here at the city center uh, in Las Vegas. Oh, really? And, you know, there was yeah. – I mean, it was, there's so many little things. I mean, we were going to trial. We, we tracked down everything of this guy because the, the public believes that Daniel was, I, I found out Daniel was going to testify and then, you know, that was it, game over. And that's the exact opposite. I knew Daniel was going to testify the next day that I got arrested. Um, you know, we had investigators looking at every single thing that he was currently doing which is questionable, <laughs> and that, that he was doing. And it's the bottom line is he did steal. Uh, you know, and there is this massive amount of money that's unfound. I mean, it's just not there. Yeah, so so for the listeners to understand, uh, so basically what he was pulling was uh, a, a very payment he processed, uh, a certain percentage, like 10%, was supposed to be held back uh, to protect the banks in case of chargebacks and things like that. So uh, when he was actually stealing the money, uh, he used the excuse to full tilt and poker stars that uh, the reason that they're not getting all the money they're expecting is because uh, that's being held in that reserve. Is, is that basically what he was pulling? Yes. Yeah. Delaying yeah. is the payments going to the to the uh, full tilt or poker. Stars. So, so he probably overstated I mean, just, by a lot, uh, like uh, what the reserve actually was. Yeah, I mean, I believe he even owed uh, absolute absolute poker. Um, I know that. that I, I don't feel that sorry for them, but uh, <laughs> uh, so. But anyway, uh, yeah. So a hundred million got stolen. Now, how much of that was full tilt's money, and how much of that was uh, uh, how much full tilt? How much of the poker stars you think was stolen from each one out of that hundred? I don't know. I, don't, I used to know that off the top of my head, but <laughs> I, I don't know the number. Okay. No, poker star still has an active case against them, you know, in Australia. So. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. That was going to be my next question. I've heard rumors, but it's never been confirmed, that Poker Stars and or Full Tilt was so mad at Svetkov that they actually reported him to the U.S. authorities, and that's what led to his arrest. That's how they found him. So uh, do you know this to be a fact, or is, uh, are you just someone who heard that same rumor but don't really know? I do know that to be a fact. Um, uh, it was done. It was it was done by a lawyer uh, that went in and, and basically gave all of Svetkov's uh, emails and, and, and things like that on Sluchkoff and what he was doing with the theft and uh, went into the Department of Justice and gave him all that information and um, there you go. That's when he got arrested. So. Uh, interesting. I've always wondered. I, I mean, it seemed to me like it made sense and I, I don't blame them if someone stole that type of money from me. If I could get them arrested in some way, even if I never recovered the money, if I could just make them suffer in some way, I, I, I would. And so I don't blame them at all. But uh, I'm, I'm glad you're able to confirm that rumor. Who was that lawyer working for who, who gave this information to the authorities? Was it a Poker Stars lawyer? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, now, um, I read that you were blamed initially by Pope and Svetkov when you know that money went missing, when they were asking uh, these two, you know, where'd all the money go? Where'd the $100 million go? That they were trying, that they said, Chad Ellie took it. So, uh, yeah. So, then Poker Star's attorneys approached you, and um, supposedly you made some kind of settlement with them. So my question to you is, um, since these guys stole it, which I believe, um, why were you settling with Poker Stars, and, and you know, why did you have their money in the first place? Well, that money was the money that was 
in that account that was in my name. So um, when when I was approached, I um, actually woke up and went to work one day, and there was uh, three investigators outside my door, uh, garage door in Florida, waiting to speak with me. Now <laughs> you say investigators are these are these uh, just internal investigators for poker stars or investigators like uh, law enforcement? Not law enforcement. Prior, you know, former law enforcement that they hired to to come, uh, you know, I guess track me down. But they they had they had said they were they were from Intabil. Um, and I remember looking, you know, kind of looking up in the sky. I said, "Are you, you sure you want to say you're from Intabil?" I, I, you know, I just <laughs> found out that they stole all this money, and uh, they were kind of clueless at the fact. And I didn't know at, at that time that Poker Stars had taken over Intabil, um, and was you know I didn't know that was Poker Stars money. I didn't know any of that. Um, you know, it was money that was owed to me. It was my money. So, you know, they were very, very uh, aggressive with their, they tried to do a TRO, temporary restraining order on me. Um, and, you know, we won that in court. I actually won a lot of the the uh, allegations in, in civil court. So it was just getting drawn out. And, um, you know, with anything, you have to go to the source. And, I, you know, I talked to one of my, my uh, older friends, and, you know, he said, look, you have to call up the owner of this company that thinks, you know, you're doing something you're not. That's the only way. If not, the lawyers are going to bleed bleed every dollar out. So, you know, I you know I got his information, got his email address, gave me his number, which is Esai, and you know we talked directly after that. And um, I decided to you know to take a uh, you know fifty percent loss, and he was going to take a fifty percent loss, and that was it. So, so you actually uh, you spoke to Esai Scheinberg, the owner of Poker Stars, and and agreed that uh, even though and this money we're referring to is the money you took out of a bank account to pay yourself. For what uh, Tvetkov and uh, and Pope owed you earlier, and and it turned out to, to then Poker Stars said, hey, you know that money you took, even though if, even though they owed it to you, that was actually our money you took, so we want it back. So then you're saying that you and Isai Scheinberg came to a a fifty fifty split, where you gave half the money back to to Isai and Poker Stars. That's correct. Okay. All right. So uh, so now at this point, and people may be a little bit confused here, uh, you weren't yet processing any poker payments, right? I was not. Okay, so you were just uh, you had just been working with Daniel Svetkov and Intabil to uh, you know give them relationship with banks, and then you know found a way to pay yourself when they when they were cheating you, and then you know had just given fifty percent back to to Poker Stars. Um, so how does it go from that with Poker Stars actually approaching you, thinking that you stole from them, to demanding a settlement, into you eventually working with them as a payment processor? Yeah, you know, um, it you know uh, the the processing industry, like I said before, was it still fluttered uh, fluttered with uh, just just nasty people, just people that just want to steal your money, and um, that was their problem was dealing with these people that were misrepresenting to the banks, that were you know uh, just not doing things right, and um, you know I knew that I could you know, form a relationship with the bank. I knew that I could get them to sign off on it and that would just, you know, get rid of all their concerns um, with me being able to steal their money. Um, you know, if you lie to a bank um, about your, you know, the nature of your processing, it's going to get shut down um, eventually. So there's a time period where you can steal the money, the processors were stealing the money, and then the bank would find out what the nature is. And then, um, you know, Poker Stars isn't going to come after you. Uh, well, maybe they might come after you, but they're certainly not going to go to the bank if the bank doesn't know what the nature is. They're not going to deal with you. They have a relationship with the processor. So I knew I could get rid of all that and, um, you know, 
get a bank to sign off on it, um, fund them faster than anyone else is funding to protect all the player funds. So did you did you the, come to Poker Stars and say, uh, um, like, after you paid them the money, did you say, hey, by the way, you know, now that this is all behind us, uh, maybe I can work for you? Like, how, how did that transition occur? Yeah, I asked them, you know, I said I had a, a you know, a business model for them uh, with processing and uh, if they're open to it. Um, and, you know, they were. We took a flight um, out to um, Island of Man. I didn't meet with Eastside. Um I met with some of the other representatives of Poker Stars, laid out everything on a whiteboard, and uh, you know showed them you know exactly what I'd off on, and you know if I was able to do that, then they would uh, you know consider moving forward. It wasn't a, a yes right away, but obviously, uh, and that was it. I mean, I didn't have a. It was a month later um, we we started moving forward with Sun First. I think. Okay, interesting. Uh... The the next question I have for you here is you mentioned about uh, earlier that a lot of these little payment processors were very hard to trust and that uh, a lot of them were thieves that just were stealing from the poker sites, a lot of the smaller ones. Um, how exactly were they pulling this off? How were these smaller payment processors stealing from the poker sites? It's, you know, it's either the same way Jeremy Johnson did or, or Daniel Sletchkoff. I mean... You have money that's coming in. If if I sign up with a, you know, what you would become is a an ISO independent, you know, sales, uh, you know, uh, representative. You would go to another processor. If you were to do it right now, you would go to a, a payment processor and say, hey, I want to bring in a, a merchant account, um, but the money has to go through me. This is my client. I want to protect my client. Um, so the money would you would let's say you want to do a hundred thousand dollars a day in player deposits through PokerStars. The money would come in. Um, through PokerStars, through your portal, you would send it to the processor. The processor would fund your account, and then you would fund PokerStars on whatever your contract is with PokerStars. So if you're not funding PokerStars for, call it seven days, and your payment processors uh, that you just signed a deal with does it in four, you have that three-day window of funds sitting in your account. You basically have $300,000 that's always sitting there. Um, obviously, if it's a million a day, now you have $3 million, um sitting there. So then you, and, uh, you just walk off with the money then if you want to rip them off. Correct. You would just they would just walk off. I mean that's a, that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, that's what processors do to this day. It's not just geared around poker. I mean, the DOJ had a a big gunho uh, deal about that. You know, the poker stars and full tilt only dealt with uh, you know shady processors. You know, for it's just that's the industry. I mean, there are very very few payment processors out there, um, if any. That that won't try to steal your your ten percent reserve or your your float on that. Yeah. So uh, so I, this is something I've always wondered because when I first heard about uh, payment processors and and you know, them getting busted long before Black Friday, I I had always pictured them as a bigger operation and some of these smaller ones I couldn't believe when I, when I would hear some of the stories of people getting busted they were they were really like one man operations and. Um, how did they ever get their foot in the door? So let's say let's say it's back in 2009, and I I went to Poker Stars and I said, uh, "Hey, I'm willing to process payments for you." And uh, and when I say I, I mean I, like actually me. I went to them. I said, "Hey, I'm willing to process payments for you. I'm serious about it." And say I could show them that I had the resources to do it, but other than that, I didn't have any experience in it and and no references. All, all they knew was that I wasn't uh, uh, I was actually serious about doing it and could do it, 
but uh, they knew nothing else about me. Like, would they have signed me up? Would they have said, yeah, go ahead? Or, like, what, proce- what process did these guys go through to get approved by PokerStars or Full Tilt to do business with them? I don't believe PokerStars would have approved you, but Full Tilt 100% would have approved you. <laughs> PokerStars is a little difficult. You've, uh, you know, you had to go through a vetting period. They had to make sure if you, yeah, you might have been able to get through PokerStars. You would have had to hook up with a technology company um, to handle the technology side of things. You know, it had a you know uh, a big account, big accountant firm handle your accounting. So if you put all that together, yes. But you know, if you were a one man operation, Full Tilt would have took you in a heartbeat. Um, so. Wow. So, uh, so so did the word get around to people like that? Like the Full Tilt was so desperate, and uh, you know, just go there and say, hey, I want to process your payments, and maybe do it for a little while, and then just steal from them and run off into the sunset. It got so bad um, towards the end of uh, actually early 2011 that I was getting blind emails. When I sued Jeremy Johnson, um, I received two to three emails of people asking, begging me to that they had a processing solution that they wanted to process full tilt. And uh, this one company uh, was a publicly traded company, and they uh, they handled transactions for for Microsoft, uh, and they were begging me. And I said, your 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 solution's not transparent. Not transparent with the bank, and they said, "Well, what's transparent up to us?" And you know, um, you know, at a, you know, during late 2000, I would say maybe June 2000 on, um, they would, you know, the lawyers for both sides would give me the the portfolios of these payment processors and ask me to underwrite them. Hey, do you think this is transparent? And uh, you know, really have me give me a hard look on things. And there was never one except for the the credit union in. Um, Arizona. Hmm. So, okay, um, we're going to talk about Jeremy Johnson now. You've already mentioned a few times. Um, I know uh, Jeremy Johnson, for those of you that are not aware, uh, he was a telemarketing scammer, and uh, he stole $275 million from Americans with telemarketing scams. Uh, now, now, when Chad met him and, and uh, got involved with him, he didn't know what Jeremy Johnson was really up to with scamming. But um, how did you two meet... And how did you two end up getting into the poker payment processing together? Yeah, we met at a, uh, a trade show out here in Las Vegas. I was introduced by, uh, I guess it was called a, a broker of the online marketing industry, um, introduced me to Jeremy Johnson. And uh, I actually wanted to to process for him, but I processed um, electronic checks and he did credit card. Um, and there was a, you know, um, a friendship that was formed um, really, you know, from the beginning, not really any business. Um, he didn't, like I said, didn't do any check check processing and, you know, just kept in contact and um, with each other. I would fly out to, to Vegas every time he came to, you know, Vegas once in a while. We would uh, hang out. He brought me, uh, you know, to his office in Utah and he, he had about 10 helicopters. And I'm not over-exaggerating. <laughs> I'm probably under-exaggerating. That he had ten helicopters, maybe ten helicopters, six or seven. Yeah, it's, he was a helicopter nut. Um, he had a jet, Citation Ten. Um, you know, uh, I think about eight aircrafts. Um, and he had his own thing at the St. George um, uh, landing strip there, the, the airport. Um, you know, he's always with Mark Shirtliff or uh, his uh, his underboss or whatever the heck you call him, um, Swallow. I think that's his name. The, uh, the deputy to him, so I mean he he definitely presented himself uh, very well w- within that community. 
Yeah, and uh, uh, Mark Shurtleff, by the way, that, that was uh, that was the Utah Attorney General. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, John so Jer- Wallow was the, the under guy. Yeah, and uh, and Jeremy Johnson was friends with him, and uh, I know I, I have a picture here of him, uh, Jeremy Johnson with uh, Mark Shurtleff in front of one of those helicopters. Uh, Jeremy Johnson was a notorious fish on full tilt, losing about uh, one point <laughs> five million dollars. Uh, so. Uh, this this is uh, I, I want to get to this thing about Elite Debit. Elite Debit was your company, right? It was. Yeah. And, and Elite what, what, Debit. Take away the uh, the T. Elite Debit. Yeah, yeah, I noticed yeah. that actually. <laughs> uh, so so uh, Elite Debit. Uh, what was what was their purpose at first? Were they made to yeah. process payments, or was that just a company formed before the payment process? Uh, Elite Debit. We know we formed. There's ACH uh, processing. Um, which is uh, the form of processing. It's electronic processing. Yeah, the e-checks, right? Uh, very, very... Well, no, that's that's ACH. Oh, uh, I, thought you, I thought you said ACH. I'm sorry. So what were you saying? Yeah, it's two two different two different forms. is ACH and electronic check. Um, ACH is, is through a network. It's it's kind of monitored by like a Visa and MasterCard. Um, a lot of rules and regulations, and everyone was shifting to uh, Check 21. It's X937 files. Uh, to bore everyone listening, it's um, happened in 2001 when the the big pl- when the planes crashes and they halted all the planes from taking off. There's actually planes going to banks um, with checks to be cashed, and they actually screwed up our financial system for a couple of days uh, from checks being delayed and whatnot. So they formed the the Check 21 Act, uh, which made everything electronic. Um, so we wrote software um, to to form an electronic check. Uh, to be able to process those to financial institution um, and then go out to the market and offer our services. So that's what Elite Debit was about. Um, but then when I, like I said, when I went to PokerStars, uh, we really thought that that would fit well uh, with their model. Um, instead of doing ACH, do Check 21, you're able to write on a memo just like a check that is from PokerStars um, and you know be blatantly transparent on that. Yeah, so so Elite Debit, uh, I, I guess um, you had your connections with uh, with PokerStars, and then Jeremy Johnson, I guess he had a connection at a bank, Sun First, Sun, the Sun First Bank, there in uh, St. George, Utah. And uh, before we get to that, I, I read a story, the, a news story that said the FTC claims Johnson and his companies, including iWorks and Elite Debit, Scammed consumers out of 275 million by luring them into obtaining trial memberships for bogus services, and then repeatedly charging their credit and debit card monthly fees for the worthless services. Now, uh, this has nothing to do with poker. This was the telemarketing scam. But uh, Elite Debit was named in this news article. Um, was Elite Debit involved in this uh, telemarketing scam, or, or was this uh, Johnson's work that just kind of you know dragged you into it? Uh, it was twofold. There was I opened up Elite Debit California, and then uh, during our processing, Johnson decided to move it, um, move back to Utah. He had moved out to California, and uh, called you know called it Elite Debit, but there was corporation paperwork for uh, Utah. Um, so there was two different Elite Debits, and uh, the Elite Debit uh, Utah he he created. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the, about a thousand merchants, maybe a couple hundred to a thousand. I don't know how many the number is. Uh, merchants who allow the process through there uh, with you know zero underwriting. Um, and at you know actually I can send you a, a nice email of me finding out about this and um, finding about the underwriting uh, 
non-underwriting that's taking place and underwriting to the listeners are, you know, just like a, a bank application to get a loan. You have to put who you used to work for, you know, yada, yada, yada. And there was absolutely nothing going on with that. So I think that's where the FTC tie-in is. And also the FTC wants to be able to go after all the pure poker transactions uh, and, and have a right to them, which they, they don't have a right to. Hmm. So uh, now, who, who? So I guess it was uh, you who established. Who, who was it actually? I, that's the question I have. Real. Who, who established the relationship between Sunfirst Bank, which was kind of Jeremy Johnson's connection, and and Poker Stars, which is your connection? Who actually facilitated the two to get involved together, or was it both of you? Uh, you know, uh, Jeremy. You know, um, had the the Sunfirst Bank connection. Um, you know, he had. I believe his grandfather knew the uh, the owner or the primary shareholder in, in Sunfirst. Um, just a, just like anything, we he knew somebody and he set up a uh, a meeting. We went in there, um, wanted to process a, a, a wide variety of things, and um, you know that's that's the thing with processing. You know, not, you can't just make a lot of money with poker. It, it's everything. Um, you know, you can make anywhere from two to fifteen percent on processing transactions. So, you know, we went up there, flew up there, and, and showed them all the different processing uh, portfolios that are available out there, along with PokerStars um, and, and Full Tilt. Um, so it was, it was something they decided on their own. Um, but shortly after that, the attorneys flew in for PokerStars and for Full Tilt uh, to go to the bank to make sure everything and everybody knew that it was poker uh, was being processed. So yeah. um, after we opened that door... The lawyers took over from there just to make sure, um, you know, to go through everything with, with Sunfirst. Yeah, so now for those of you listening who don't know about Sunfirst, I should explain this to the listeners here. Uh, Sunfirst Bank was a bank in St. George, Utah, that uh, actually was processing these uh, payments for poker stars in full tilt. And, um, you yeah, know, that was a large part of the uh, the Black Friday bust that occurred. And uh, and a VP of the bank, John Campos, was actually uh, arrested, and uh, uh, for facilitating, knowingly facilitating these uh, these payments, which is different than what was going on before, where basically the banks were being tricked by by different coding, where uh, Sunfirst was actually uh, complicit in this whole thing. So that's that's what we're referring to here. Now now back to the questions for you, Chad. Um, Full Tilt was not in on this at first. At first, it was just you know Poker Stars and uh, and Sunfirst together. How did you end up payment processing for Full Tilt? And was Poker Stars bothered by this because they were there first, and then you bring in their main competitor, Full Tilt, and process payments for them as well? Yes, yes, they were. They wanted an exclusive relationship with the the bank. They did not want Full Tilt to uh, ever process the same bank that they were processing with. Uh, you know, Esai had mentioned uh, numerous times that you know problems with full tilts on from what he saw of of his side, and no one could have ever you know seen that back in you know early 2010, late 2009, and just was very adamant on ever allowing full tilt transactions um, anywhere near him, and uh, you know and he yelled at me numerous numerous times that I would even think about bringing full tilt into the equation. Now, was he bothered that uh, Full Tilt was the competition and you're giving uh, them a, I wouldn't say a leg up, but allowing them to kind of get back on the same field as Poker Stars as far as the processing, or, or was it that he just didn't trust Full Tilt and thought that uh, uh, it's going to cause problems? Definitely uh, twofold. I mean, never went into the, I mean, it's obvious, and, you know, 
that they're they're competitors and they were they were coming up with uh, new players every day. Great marketing campaign, but it, it was sincerely that he had a problem with the way it was operating, the people involved, and uh, he just hated it. And he believed every problem, which still could be true to this day, came from full tilt. Anything that was was wrong in the the poker industry um, with these processors with 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 not being transparent um, came from them. And you know. Yeah, I, I I believe that I I truly do. I mean, from every one of my dealings with with Esai, um, even towards early pre-indictment, uh, 2011, um, he didn't want any processing unless the FDIC signed off on it. So I mean, in 2011, I I mean, late 2010, we reached out and we hired a law firm to talk to the FDIC. Um, so I mean, he always just kept on going above and beyond. Uh, everything to, to, to get the transparent processing. Yeah. So, uh, now, uh, when, so when you were doing this, the processing, you're talking about transparent processing, are you referring to the fact that, uh, there were no false codes being passed here with these, uh, these processes that it wasn't the, the deposits weren't being hidden as online merchant purchases. The, the, the cash outs weren't hidden as like business payments because I, like I know, for example, uh, on, on Bodog, when I used to deposit on there, um, I, I would get on my credit card statement that I just bought a thousand dollars worth of women's clothing from from Malta. That, that that I really got that on my statement one time. So uh, like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so, no, I mean if, if people looked at my credit card statements, they would have thought I was a tranny. But uh, <laughs> but but the so this processing you were doing with Sun First, with uh, Poker Stars, and then Full Tilt as well. Uh, this was, you call it transparent. It was uh, completely open to everyone to see that you were actually processing poker transactions? Everybody, correct. I mean, to go back to the coding, uh, the miscoding comes with credit cards. Um, you have to code under, uh, God, I used to know this, 19, I don't know the, the transaction code you have to to process. And, and Visa and MasterCard don't, don't allow it. Very few people are allowed to, to process under gambling or gaming. Um, so you have to, obviously somebody would say it's women's closing golf balls, whatever they were doing, uh, for credit cards with, with check processing. Um, it's just straight up putting out a processing application. You're processing for X. And so there's really, you know, no, the only thing that comes through with a check is a descriptor, you know, um, just like your credit card, uh, you know, X, Y, Z processing or golf balls incorporated or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but there's no code associated so much with that. With ACH there is, but with the, the Check 21 solution, it's your memo line. It's just as if you wrote a check. Wow. Okay. So, uh, now, like Daniel Svetkov, Jeremy Johnson also stole from the, pro the poker, poker payment uh, processing accounts. Uh, can you explain what Svetkov did? And uh, did he just steal your profits, or did he also steal from the poker sites? He did both. Yeah, he... Uh... He took every dollar, uh, almost every dollar. I did make money, um, you know, from from elite debit. Um, but then he also stole a massive amount of money from, from both Full Tilt and, and Poker Stars. Um, he did it a little different than Sletchkoff did. Um, he delayed the, the the credits, the the payouts going to the players, um, to the consumers. Uh, I'm sorry, to the players. I think I think it was a full two weeks worth of, of payments that were going out. Um, he delayed it and said it was a, a technical di difficulty uh, of sending them out. Uh, and to do that, let's say he was processing, I think it was two to three million a day. Um, we use a, a one million in 
and debits coming in, one million in payments were going out, maybe a little less to, to cover the fees for the bank and the, and the processor. So there was, you know, never any money sitting there uh, to be left over. Now, if you stop the payments going out, the the players' winnings uh, for for winning poker, then that those credits sit there, um, the debits. I'm sorry. So that's where he literally stole uh, player funds that were getting sent out. Um, unlike, you know, Slechkoff, he was stealing debits and 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 whatnot. Uh, Johnson and, and the vowels stole the money that was actually getting ready to be sent out that day um, for two weeks in a row. I see. So so he was, uh, it, it was basically the same accounts were being used for uh, for paying out players and for uh, receiving deposits into the site. So uh, instead of paying out players, he was just taking the money. Is that basically what he was doing? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And um, so how much did you lose personally from that theft? Uh, $20 million. Whoa. <laughs> I, I actually didn't know that. Now, some of these questions I'm asking you uh, just uh, for radio so everyone can hear it, but I already know the answers. That that answer I actually did not know, and that, I'm just pretty shocked to hear that. $20 million got stolen that, that should have gone to you by Jeremy Johnson. That's unbelievable. And uh, how much do you think the sites, uh, Full Tilt and Poker Stars combined, lost from, from these thefts? Uh, I, mean, I believe it's around 30 to 30 to 40. Um, rough estimate. Um you know, when they when it when it happened, Ray flew in here and actually drove with one of the lawyers um, directly to the bank <laughs> and had a meeting with Johnson. And from what I was told, uh, right when they got back, there was a big screaming match between Ray and Jeremy and um, about their theft of funds. And Jeremy just kept on asking for more time and about the the money. And um, you know, he was basically playing a, a Curtis Pope and Daniel Fletchkoff scheme on them. And, you know the the bank um, was uncooperative. The bank, you know, Johnson had the bank in his in his pocket, and you know the bank just kept on pushing back and saying, "Hey, we have a contract with Elite Debit. We don't have a contract with you, so we're not talking to you anymore." Huh. Uh, so that's where that cutoff came, and then they had a deal with Jeremy. And, uh, Jeremy had another bank that was going to process for him, Town and Country of Utah, um, and so he had put some 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 money in there. Um, and then he played the same scheme with uh, that Sletchkoff did and Pope, and he said, "Hey, you know, I'll give you this money back, and but I want a process for you." And uh, so, uh, and that just didn't didn't jive well with them. So. Wow. So uh, uh, now, what was the what was his end game with this? If he was stealing from them, uh, didn't he think that would be the end of the gravy train, or, or, or did he really think that if he just gives it back, they'll they'll let him continue processing? Like, what what did he think he was doing? By I, it makes more sense when he's stealing from like a ton of different individuals for like forty or fifty bucks each that adds up to you know two hundred seventy five million. It makes more sense to do that than, than than to steal just directly from the poker site you're processing from. That just kind of seems like a I, I understand kind of like the small processors doing it to just run off with you know a few million dollars, but this guy, he had, you know, he was dealing in such big money. What what was he doing there? Do you have any idea? You know, from what I see in the, the documents and everything, I mean, right after he stole, he was continuing to ask them to process for them um, while doing the song and dance that the money was held in the bank, and it was hard to get information out of the bank that where is this money? Is this money really at the bank? Is it not? And so he had a, he felt that he had a processing solution that they needed, and they did. And Full Tilt, I think, agreed um, <laughs> uh, to process with him even after the theft. Say <laughs> so he stole from them, but Full Tilt's like, okay, sure, well, we forgive you. Let's let's do it again. Just give us the money back. Yeah, wow. yeah it, I mean, it was very very short period of time. That's when they they asked me to, uh, you know, to 
to basically uh, duplicate what happened at, at Sun First, um, but they wanted, you know, more control there and uh, open access to accounts, which is which is no problem. But uh, that's where we, you know, went to Chicago. And, you know, I actually, the reason why we went to Chicago is I found a bank broker and he happened to be in Chicago and he found banks that were that were interested in, in processing portfolios. So, uh, but Johnson's end game was he thought that he could continue processing, but he made out with so much money. I mean, if you call it 40 on the low side, it's 40 million in liquid cash that he was moving all around the country. Um, and, you know, then he had real liquid cash in his safes and gold and, and whatnot. So, I mean, he didn't need to do anything for the rest of his life. Yeah. So, um, now he's never been charged for any crime, to my knowledge, related to any of the poker payment processing or the thefts. Uh, of course, you were, and you're you're going to federal prison in January. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there there seems to be a mountain of evidence against him, and, and they they have the pretty strong proof that he bribed uh, the SunFirst Bank VP John Campos. They they have all this on him, but but yet he's never been arrested or charged with any of this stuff. Why aren't they going after this against Jeremy Johnson? Uh, I'll tell you something. Nobody knows. Uh, everyone's going to know. Uh, a few days after I was indicted, my lawyer at the time, Bill Cowden, he uh, was talking to the prosecutor of New York. Why'd you indict Chad? And he said, uh, and not Jeremy. That was the question. Um, and he said, um, Chad continued to process in, in Chicago. You have to understand, there was hundreds of, of processors out there, uh, but very, very few um, actually got in trouble for it. So since I had the direct, you know, link with... Um, <clears throat> You know, Suchkoff and Curtis and all that was obviously a, a great piece of their their Black Friday indictment. Um, and, you know, they I think they're saving face that Jeremy Johnson uh, um, got indicted out of out of Utah, uh, um, and that's another reason why you know they they're probably saying they're not in not not adding charges. But um, that's what they said. They they clearly said that because uh, I I did I didn't stop processing. So, but, but when did he stop? Then when he stole all that money. <laughs> oh, okay. And w- around when was that? Uh, that was at the end of 2010, November 2010. So they're claiming that they went after you and not him because you were still processing, you know, at the time of Black Friday, and and he had stopped like four months earlier. Correct. I right. mean, here's there's I mean some other things that happened before that. I was uh, called into the Southern District of New York um, to um, they they asked me quite you know it's called the Queen for the day. Um, they, they bring you in and they ask you questions, um, you know, about what you're doing, yada, yada, yada. Um, so I had went in there, voluntarily went in there to talk to them, gave them my legal opinions, um, told them what I was doing, point out blank, asked them if processing poker is illegal. Um, and there was silence in the room. You could have dropped a needle in there. No one would answer that question. When, when was this? What um, month and year? It was the... The day um, I went to the day I went to meet Ray at the Fourth uh, of July party, I just got off a flight from um, my proffer session. That's why I was in a suit um, at that, you know, shorts, you know, shorts and t-shirt party. The so, Fourth of July of uh, two thousand ten. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was on the fourth though. I think it might have been. You know, day or it could have been on the fourth. So, so it was around there, and you and you actually were at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York and asked them, "Is, is poker payment processing illegal?" And they just they just didn't answer you. And not on that one. There was two times that I that I met with them: once in person and once via the the telephone. 
Um, that, that one was just cut and dry, you know, questions for about six hours. The next um, proffer session became, uh, was over the telephone and, you know, they were asking questions and uh, about the, you know, the banks and the processing and the transparency and the, and things like that. And, you know, the, the poker operators were, were behind me talking to them because they, their, you know, belief is nothing's happening. So, you know, they know, they know what's happening with the processing. Um, it's, it's better off to give them the, the legal opinions than, you know, something, uh, different happening. So, um, on the phone, I asked them, you know, is poker illegal? Is processing peer to peer poker, uh, illegal? Um, you know, they, when they asked, I asked about my legal opinions. They said I had to look at what my legal opinions said, who paid them, did poker start pay them just to, to give them, you know, a, a proper opinion. And, uh, you know, my answer to that was, well, Ashcroft isn't just going to, easy person, his firm isn't an easy person it's just to pay off to, to get a proper opinion from. Um, so they recommended that I go out and get my own legal opinion. And uh, I did. I wanted to get my own legal opinion um, that said virtually everything that they said. Um, that would have came out in trial. It never did. Um, but. Yeah. So so one of the users in our chat room just asked, uh, how can one man steal $40 million and not be held accountable by anybody? Uh, the, why was that ignored? That that he stole all that money. That that uh, when Johnson stole. Yeah, Johnson stole <laughs> yeah. all that money. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, when I was asked to, I got subpoenaed to to go to his bail hearing about the money that I saw. Um, you know, my attorney asked that prosecutor. He said straight up, "Look, this is the case. It's a very easy case. He stole this money, and um, that's it. I mean, you know." And, and they just they weren't interested in that. I don't know why anyone will not prosecute anyone for for that. I mean, it's just a, a clear cut case. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, um, so after he stole all that money, uh, what was your financial situation like? Yeah, you know, how how were you at that time? Since uh, so much of that money, twenty million was stolen, uh, you expected that to go to you. How much money did you have left at the time for yourself? You know, as far as you know, physical cash, I had nothing. Um, you know, a bunch of checks actually, uh, numerous checks. And so I had to borrow money to do that. I mean, I, I did, I do own my house. I did have some cars. Um, but at the time, as far as uh, cash, I didn't have anything. Hmm. So that, that's, and that's really bad. If you're, if you're thinking you have $20 million that just vanishes into thin air and then beyond that, you have no cash. That's, that's much worse than if you have, you know, 50 million to your name and 20 million disappears. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's got to have just enraged you to have found that out. When that, when that, you know, that just must have been a killer. I, that may have been a worse. Was that a worse thing for you to find out than than when you got arrested on uh, April fifteenth, two thousand eleven? No, <laughs> no that one takes the uh, bullet. But I mean, from that period on, I mean, it was just a a nightmare. I mean, when during that period, that I, I sued Johnson, and right when I sued him, I my mother and uh, stepfather went through you know very bad times and couldn't afford their house anymore. So um, I offered to to buy their house we had lived in forever for, you know, since I was 15 years old, I'm, I'm 32 now. Um, obviously I don't live there, but, um, so I paid for their house and, and Johnson, I had asked Johnson at the time, uh, this is early 2010 to, you know, wire money for my pro, you know, my proceeds down there, um, for my profits. I had put money in to elite debit, which is even, you know, you know, even harder to deal with. I put 4 million of my own company's money in there. Um, so, Long story short, 
um, when I'm suing Johnson, my mother gets a notice to get, she gets kicked out of her house. I mean, she's frightened to death. She's getting phone calls from Johnson kicking her out of her house because he had put it in, you know, this company name. Um, so that, and then he sent, uh, my, uh, wife, um, fake 1099 saying that she made like money when she never made a dollar from any of this. Um, so that was his extortion <laughs> plot against me was to, um, you know, hurt the two most important, uh, women in my, my life, uh, my mother and then, uh, my wife and with these, with these tactics. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, now, now back to Sunfirst bank. Uh, I know they got into some trouble with the FDIC well before black Friday. So what was that all about? Um, you know, they were, uh, they, they were, when I met them, um, they were in financial difficulties, obviously, um, their rating was really bad. They had some bad commercial loan investments um, that wouldn't turn around for them. So they were already under uh, some sort of receivership. When we were in their processing, um, initially, there was a receiver almost full-time there. Um, so at every stage, processing of poker was getting signed off on. <laughs> so uh, so that, is that why they went... That. That, so that's why they basically went along with all this uh, poker payment processes. They they were in such bad shape. It was uh, just kind of like a that Hail Mary situation for them. Is that, is that what was going on? No, no. I mean, they, they could have, there was, they wanted anything, any type of processing, long, long it was legal. Uh, there was questions. They wanted a legal opinion. They turned down a lot of processing, uh, lots of processing. Oh, really? Uh, from, from what I know. Um, but, you know, the obviously poker, you know, at that volume, um, you make a lot of money. But at, from what I see in the, the documents that, um, they were processing equal amounts of profits from other things other than poker um, when the FDIC came in. But when the FDIC at the end um, finally, you know, told them to stop processing, they, they allowed them to process until the end of the year um, and then came back and told them, hey, you have to pull the processing because there's no money in the account. There's no reserves. And that's what Johnson had, had looted from. Oh, that. that's what Johnson had um, stolen. That's funny that the FDIC <laughs> actually knew that the Sunfirst Bank was processing uh, poker payments uh, before oh, Black Friday. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So uh, now, now, uh, were you worried that uh, these FDIC problems, and especially the FDIC knowing that uh, these were poker payments, were were you worried that this could actually lead to you getting arrested for being involved in processing poker payments? I know you got the legal opinions that. Uh, that you were doing something legal, but uh, um, were you afraid that these FDIC problems would affect you personally, or was that not a concern? I, I was. I was afraid at first. Uh, that's why we hired, you know, this law firm out of D.C. to approach the FDIC, and um, not about arrest. Um, it's the FDIC, and uh, you know, we were concerned on what. Hey, what really happened here? Um, you know, because I was going to open up a uh, processing company that didn't really necessarily involve poker. Um, but I said, Hey, let's, let's get this FDIC lawyer. Um, that reached out to the FDIC. I had the emails, the FDIC. said there's nothing wrong with Chad. They know about Chad. Um, and it was, you know, this big long message. They have no problem speaking to me. They do have some questions for me. And that was it. Um, so I, I'm like, wow, <laughs> um, that's pretty interesting. The FDIC saying there's no problems with me. They know about me. They know about the processing. <laughs> So there's, it's clearly, you know, there's this weird, it's this game that everyone, you know, on their side was playing. And, you know, if it's illegal, give me a letter, give somebody a letter that says what you are doing is illegal. And I can guarantee you, I wouldn't have processed it. That's for sure. Hey, I'm done, man. I don't care if I'm bouncing checks or what. 
<laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's just this weird game they were playing. And so, um, you know, then I was giving legal advice to, hey, pure poker is the reason that FDA, uh, Sun First did not go down. The reason why it did go down is because Johnson had hundreds and hundreds of other companies process, processing through here. Um, and that's why the, the problem happened. And that was the legal advice I was given. I was happy with that uh, because of the FDIC communication. And that's what, you know, I said, wow, this is, this is great. Now we have a chance to start off fresh without Johnson, without anybody stealing money. Um, and let's, let's start off fresh with another bank. So, so now, uh, speaking of profit here, what percent would you typically t make on each poker transaction? Uh, and would it be different for deposits and withdrawals? Yes, uh, deposits were six and a half percent, and well, I know, well, anyway, so six and a half percent, and then uh, with other fees, it, it roughly around uh, nine to ten percent uh, overall. Um, with the the funding of the player, um, it was a flat rate of one dollar um, plus um, other fees of a check being sent out or whatnot. So it was, you know, little to no money being made going out. Uh, but it was money. Don't get me wrong. If they're doing twenty to thirty thousand in a day, that's twenty to thirty thousand dollars. So really, so so when I was getting a check from Poker Stars, they were making the the payment processor was only uh, receiving a dollar for this. Um, it, yeah, it depends on what processing solution it was. Uh, you know, I think I think we may have made one percent. I, I don't know. I mean, I was wasn't involved uh, okay. in in uh, so much um, moving on. You know, through 2010 on that, I know what I charged in in Chicago. So, yeah, because I remember uh, back in the days when Net Teller was processing all this before they got in trouble. I think they were getting like nine percent on the deposits. Uh, yes, on, on on deposits, not yeah, not depo yeah. I know we're talking about withdrawals, yeah, but uh, and and so the deposits, you're saying that uh, they paid about nine to ten percent, and you'd clear like six and a half after all the fees. No, we would no six and a half percent was the base fee, and then we'd probably clear around ten percent overall. Um, and but how much would be profit deposit. profit for you because you had you know you'd have your expenses. Correct. Yeah, it's almost all profit for a processor. I mean, depending upon how many merchants you have and how many employees you have, you know, you can chalk up 20% of that uh, income to to other things. But, you know, with poker, there was a lot of money. I mean, you're looking at poker stars, total volume was anywhere from five to seven million dollars a day in, in deposit. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy to think about. I mean, it's a lot of money going in every single day to poker stars. I mean, they, they really got huge. And uh, so, okay, before we get uh, to more of this Black Friday type stuff, uh, you know, the, the site has a lot of degenerates who listen to the show for entertainment. This is usually this is actually an unusual show. Usually, we have just a lot of uh, it's kind of like a, a mixture of a, a comedy and shenanigans show, and, and kind of like a poker news and commentary show. It's not like a, a dry, serious show uh, like like this one is right here. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, this is like a little special episode we're doing on Black Friday. But uh, so, of course, many people, and I'll, I'll admit myself included, were intrigued with the whole situation of both you being married to a woman who appeared in Playboy and you actually marrying her the day after Black Friday, which was especially amazing to me. So so how and when did you meet the, this, this woman who was in Playboy and, and was she familiar with what you were doing for a living with the payment processing or, or did she not even really know about this until after all the stuff went down? I met her on my 30th birthday. Um, met her uh, through some friends at a, at a nightclub 
Um, interesting, she blew me off that day, but uh, ended up uh, getting her number and um, fell in love from that day. And uh, you know, she knew about processing. I was everyone knew that I processed poker. Uh, I said before I, I should have had a I could have had a white flag with a poker stars symbol on full tilt symbol that that's that for uh, Sun First and all the banks as well. Um, you know, she knew about the legal opinions. I gave her legal opinions that I had, and uh, but not so much like into the the details of it. I mean, Poker Stars was great. You know, they would. Uh, I flew out to. Uh, we went out to Vienna. I brought her out there, uh, um, along with actually a couple other playmates uh, to the European Poker Tour, um, and you know, we met with some of their people, and um, so she was. You know, my mother's. Uh, a lot of people don't know my mother plays poker for a living. Um, my parents got divorced, a nasty, nasty divorce. She had to supplement her income, so she's a low-stakes grinder, hmm. and uh, very, very uh, proud to have a mother like that. And um, so, that's my tie-in with the poker industry is uh, is a long, long, long time ago. But answer, my wife knew about about processing poker, and the FBI came in that morning. They were asking her questions, and it was just, I think they were puzzled to see that none of, you know, no one was hiding anything. Something that amazed me when I read about you at first was the fact that you actually got married a day after Black Friday. So here you get arrested on April 15th, 2011, and one day later on April 16th, you get married. And I wondered, was this planned? Did you get married because of Black Friday? Or was this your long-planned wedding date that you decided to go through with anyway and not let Black Friday spoil it? Was this actually the date that you had originally planned to get married? It was not. It, um, my wife picked me up outside the Marshall's jail, and uh, you know, she obviously are both emotional. And she, you know, looked at me and she said, "You know, I I know you're questioning right now that if I'm going to stand by you." And uh, she goes, "I am, and I I want to prove that." And she goes, "We're going to get married tomorrow." Oh wow! And that was it. <laughs> so was this like a like a you justice know, uh, of the peace wedding, or was, was there anyone from like full tilt there at the wedding? Or did you... <laughs> was Howard no. there as your best man? <laughs> no, it was at the little uh, White Chapel. I, I heard something about the government going after some assets of hers and her name. That what was that all about, and what was the result? Yeah, they um, they put a Liz pendant on my house or her house. I'm sorry, in uh, Las Vegas, and um, that was. I mean, Forbes I think wrote about it that they seized a bunch of properties. Um, they weren't nice by putting it public, gave the address out to a bunch of people that decided to hop the fence and uh, try to uh, get into our house. But, uh, yeah, uh, in my settlement agreement, I was able to uh, keep my house. Uh, so. so that's dropped all that. That's done. And, uh, and so, so you don't have to uh, – there's nothing further, like, civil restitution-wise with the government? Is, is that all done? Correct, yes. I was uh, – um, they asked for half a million dollars. Uh, I paid half a million dollars um, and a hundred dollars special assessment fee. Okay, so so you paid them a half million dollars and um, and you're gonna serve the five months and that's it. They can't touch you either civilly or criminally after that. Correct. Oh, I, and I released my claim on uh, twenty five million dollars of, of 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 processing accounts. I see. So. Okay, so so you're saying you can't go back after like Jeremy Johnson or something if. Uh... Uh, if, if they ever get, you know, recover money from him, I can't um, go after him. I don't believe for um, certain things, but there are some things that I'm able to to go after. But 
you know, he has a receiver going after him and the FTC and the DOJ, and they're claiming that poker money is theirs, even though he's not indicted in poker. So, yeah. All right, so uh, let's let's go to the topic of Howard Lederer. Uh, that's that was the first thing you were talking about when you appeared on Twitter. And for those of you who don't know, the reason we have Chad on this show, the reason you know he, he's been in the spotlight at all in the poker community in recent months, or I say the last one month, I think he showed up at the uh, beginning of November. Uh, he showed up there and uh, started tweeting to Howard about Howard Lederer, about how Howard was lying in that interview that he did with Poker News. So uh, there was one thing it seemed like you really took offense to, and it was this statement about whether he had met with any payment processors. I remember one time at a party. <laughs> Where he was saying that the the only meeting he ever had with a payment processor was meeting Daniel Tvetkov really quickly one time at a party. I have no recollection. I remember one time at a party. So uh, you tweeted that there is a New Year's Eve party where you met him. New Year's Eve meeting, and it was a lengthy meeting. Uh, now this is New Year's Eve uh, you know, from 2010 to 2011, right? Correct. Well, yeah. Actually, that was that one time was me as well. <laughs> oh, you. I see. So you were there at that party as well. So, so if that someone would be asked, him, did the Fourth of July party? <laughs> okay. So if somebody asked, did you meet uh, Chad Ellie ever? His answer would be. I have no recollection. I remember one time at a party. Yeah. So, so okay. Um, he, can you tell us about this party? Now, forget the one with the uh, the one he just talked about there, but the the New Year's Eve meeting. Uh, what happened at that meeting with Howard? How long was it? What was talked about? What was the whole story with that? Um, you know, uh, I got an invitation from Howard. I mean, I'm sorry for not from Howard, from Ray, um, you know, to, to go to this New Year's Eve um, uh, party. It was a Jay-Z event. Um, I think it was a private, secluded thing. Um, and, you know, we were happy to go. It was a last-minute last minute thing. Uh, actually, Ray wanted uh, Destiny to, to fly out a playmate <laughs> um, to, for his date. And, you know, that just, it's instant. But Ray Batar wanted to meet, like, a playmate friend of, of your wife's? Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, they just doesn't, you know, um, you know, she wasn't going to call up some one of her friends and just say, "Hey, come out with uh, <laughs> uh, Ray, whatever." But um, that was the, I think, was his little uh, initial hook into it. But then, um, you know, told him that just wasn't going to happen, and you know, we um, met him at the uh, the restaurant in uh, Cosmopolitan, and uh, actually thought it was going to be a small, small thing going on, but. Uh, Ends up being two, two uh, fairly large parties, and uh, you know Ray instructed me to sit down with Howard and his family, and uh, with my wife uh, or fiance at the time, um, and that's how the initial uh, beginning started. So. so, and how long did that meeting go with with, with Howard? <sighs> long time. <laughs> Um, I know I said, you know, it's, it's I got to say three hours. I mean, it was a long, long time. I've, I've been back there since. And, um, you know, you can't get out of there under, under three hours. And, you know, he's, a, I believe, a vegetarian or, or a vegan or, or something like that. So he had to get all these special things uh, uh, made for him. And um, so. So it's like a dinner. I, I, oh, a long dinner. Yeah. Dinner, wine, champagne. 
Um, then after that, we went and played craps, and then to the to the Jay Z event. And uh, so, during this dinner, was it mostly business talk there, or was it social talk? It was business. Um, I mean, there wasn't anything other than to talk. I mean, you have your 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 main processor sitting across from you, <laughs> and uh, then you have what I consider the, the owner of Full Tilt sitting across from me. Uh, you know, all he's doing is talking about how he built this brand, built this company, and uh, I, I 100% right on that. It's a Howard Letter show. I mean, he's just so full of himself. Um, so that's all he was doing and, there. He, he was there, he was bragging a lot about uh, how he built up Full Tilt and how much it's worth and all that uh, during the dinner. Yep. Yep. It and, was. Uh, yep. That's when I started to go into about payment processing and exactly what we do differently. And, um, you know why we're different from the other payment processors and um, you know and that was his uh when he was we wanted all the payment processors to be like me uh, and not like me uh, per se but for what uh, the transparent model is is everyone has to be transparent so yeah yeah and uh so uh, something interesting that i read uh in a different interview where you talked about this uh meeting with howard was and I don't have the sound clip of this, but Howard said during the Poker News interview that he found out about the backlog of and the backlog for those of you that don't know is uh, the money that Full Tilt had uh, you know had deposited into, into the site from players that they didn't actually receive from the players. It wasn't actually processed. They just gave the credits to the players like on an honor system. The players didn't realize it at the time, but uh, they hadn't actually gotten the money yet, and that's what was called the backlog because they were having trouble. Uh, getting processors to, you know, to actually process that money. So Howard said that, and of course, full, you know, Howard blames that backlog on why Full Tilt fell apart and crashed down and had, you know, basically had no money when Black Friday occurred. And uh, he claimed in this interview that it wasn't until just uh, days before Black Friday, I think April 7th or something, that, that he had just found out about the backlog and that Ray told him and Chris and that they found out it was $200 million or whatever it was. Uh, but you said in an interview recently that this is not true, that Howard actually discussed with you about the backlog on New Year's Eve of 2010 to 2011. Correct. And, and so what did he say about the backlog specifically? It was it was actually me talking about the backlog and him him acknowledging it. Um, I'm telling him why I can't can't process the backlog and um, why it's a bad thing for the bank. I mean, at the time we had just been started processing for um, them um, at All American um, and soon to be New City Bank of, of Chicago. And Esai, you know, hated it. I mean, it was again supposed to be exclusive relationship, and um, they needed processing so bad. And I told Esai that. I said, they need it, and it's just good for the poker community that if we can't allow them to process, they're going to pull out of U.S. or they're going to do something. I guess what they ended up doing was crediting fake money. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I talked to them how, why we can't process, we can't process these transactions. Uh, you know, it's just it's simple. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you give me. Uh, it's just going to cause the bank to uh have questions about, you know, when you go in and you represent what a transaction does and, and how it clears and the percentage of returns um, for the bank, that's, you know, gives them how much risk that they're they're subject to. If you cross backlog transactions, you're looking at uh, up to 50% returns, um, and that's up from 3% 
return rate. So, um, so, so Howard came what? to you there in that meeting, and he, so you must have known. You know, he had to tell you first about the backlog. I assume you didn't just know about it. Like he did, he come to you and say, "Hey, we have these backlogged uh, payments that we need someone to process, and as some of these are months old, can you do that?" Is that basically what he said to you? Uh, no, actually, I mean, not not that I remember him specifically saying that. It was just something that you know came up in my my conversation with him when I was talking about why why we're different and, and about the bank. Oh, that you just you just won't um, process. But but how did the subject of backlogs come up if if nobody knew they existed? Like a like what made you bring up a backlog to him at all? Well, because <laughs> it was just a everyday thing with them. Um, with not with Howard because I didn't talk to him on a daily basis, but it was with Ray, with Nelson, um, anyone I communicated with with full tilt was always about the backlog. Oh, okay. Uh, so they, so they had talked to you about the backlog before. And then, uh, so you, you were, you were meeting with Howard now for the first time and said, Hey, you know, I, I, we, we can process really well for you guys, but the one thing we won't do is the backlog. Is that what was pretty much correct. being said? Correct. And, okay. Correct. And it, and it was, uh, I say it every day, two, three, four, five times a day. I mean, it was always some new tactic Nelson had to process this, uh, money. And, and, it wasn't so much labeled um, that, you know, 60 million, I don't even know what the number was, uh, but that the, the urgency of processing and processing more volume now. And, uh, but they were, you know, forthright of, of being, you know, hey, what's what's back here and what needs to be processed? Cause they knew what would happen with the banks, um, with the return levels. I mean, average poker customers loading, you know, anywhere from two to 10 times in a weekend. So you stop sending to the Federal Reserve on a Friday and by a Monday, you might have 20 transactions going through. Now, imagine those 20 transactions, you know, uh, a month later. <laughs> the custom, you know, you as a player are going to look at your bank account and see maybe 40, 50 transactions. You're going to say, what the heck? You know, I don't know what this is. So, um, yeah, you know, the and, banks and, will return them. The banks will report it as fraud. And, of, and of course, other people, control. and of course, these people could be uh, broke by that point, too, and you can't collect it anymore. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of ways. So basically, you didn't want to touch uh, transactions that were months old because it was a lot harder for these to really go through and, and stay through and not get charged back and and not come back with insufficient funds. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not to say I didn't didn't ask banks. I mean, I asked them. Um, you know, pure and simple. Would you like to process to so much money they're willing to give you? Because uh, there was they were offering a lot of money to process, you know, back uh, backlog or, or old transactions. Um, so, so it was the bank's refusal. Uh, that was going to be my next question because I had read that uh, Nelson Burtnick, you know, who you've been referring to as Nelson, uh, who worked for Full Tilt, that uh, he that he had asked you to process the backlog at an astronomical rate of like like twenty five percent, which of course is much much higher than what you were getting for a normal transaction. And why wouldn't you do that? You know, even if there was some additional risk, and was it because the banks just said that we don't want any part of this? It, 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 at the banks we were currently um, doing business with, they, I wouldn't even present that to them because you already presented that it's a three percent return rate, um, and they they just it was too difficult to to talk to them about that. Um, so yeah, I did ask other banks, um, you know, hey, this is what they're you know offering as as far as their um, you know processing fee, but you know at that time you know it's it's called legacy legacy data. Uh, which is old, old data of a consumer, and, and I don't know too many banks, and if, it, if not any, that would do that. So yeah, so you, you didn't want to bring it to them. You said, forget it; they're not going to want this. And you know. usually, you have a seven-day period that you can, you know, before it gets to the legacy period. 
Yeah. So, so when when was Nelson Burtnick asking you to process the backlog? It obviously, it was before New Year's because you had already gotten these communications before, and that's why you brought it up to Howard. What, what month were you getting these uh, frantic calls from Nelson and Ray about uh, please process the backlog? You know, it was, it was uh, Nelson at first, um, and that was when I went live with New City. So I think that was, I mean, uh, All-American Bank in Chicago. I think that was beginning of uh, November. Um, you know, at that time, we were only processing with stars, and um, I allowed them to, to process um, <laughs> against uh, Poker Stars' will. But, um, you know, we they just always wanted to jam more transactions. Um, I mean, Nelson would say, hey, can we load up your coffer with transactions, even though you can't process them? And um, so <laughs> um, they were always doing it. Then it became very uh, a big, big point of concern when Ray – you know, would start to call me, and um, one conversation was, I have to start making business decisions um, if you can't get the stuff to be processed. Uh, you know, I was just in, well, I don't know what business decisions you have to do. I was no clue that he was crediting, uh, you know, people for any of that. Uh, but, you know, don't don't put that on me. I don't know, you know, what you have to do as far as business. And, you know, come to find out, it's obviously paying out board members or, or paying their own salaries. And I think a large part was is that they – maybe would have pulled out of the U.S. because they, they just couldn't find um, a proper processing place. Now, now, you were processing for them with these Chicago banks, the All-American Bank, and the, what was the other one's name? Uh, New City Bank. New City Bank. And uh, So you weren't, was Sun First involved anymore, or was Sun First uh, out of it by this point because of what happened with uh, Jeremy Johnson? Yes, they were shut down. So when, when did they get shut down? Um, well, they, I think, well, they they got taken over by the FDIC. I think a couple months before my my trial, um, but they were got a cease and desist and all payment processing in I believe November or December. Okay, so the, so then you went on to these other ones and uh, these two in Chicago. Okay, uh, so let, let me talk about uh, Black Friday a little bit here. Oh, actually, before I get to Black Friday, one, I forgot one other question I wanted to ask you. Besides this thing about uh, about the party and about not meeting any payment processors. What big things did Howard lie about that jumped out at you that you could remember in that? I, I Even me not having all that much insider information on this, just listening to what Howard said in this three-and-a-half-hour interview was uh, a lot of jumped out at me as just contradictory. But, uh, but things you knew at, from your insider status that were just absolutely false. I know one of them was that he didn't meet with any payment processors. But uh, what other things can you think of that he said that uh, were just were outrageous lies? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything other than that um, about meetings, not knowing about the backlog, about the the processing. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and, and really. I mean, I don't know um, him outside of that, um, and, the, and the way Full Tilt operated and, and the inner workings of that. So, fortunately, I don't. Okay. Um, so let's let's talk about Black Friday now. Obviously, uh, the day you're never going to forget. Uh, you were, I, I believe, you were arrested uh, before the indictments were publicly known. It happened early in the morning, right? Happened at six a.m. Yeah, six a.m. So uh, I know I heard about it in the early afternoon, like one thirty or so. Uh, so. Can you describe that day? What happened at six in the morning? Yeah, um, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll start uh, with the night before. The night before, um, I had just. Um, found a, a credit union to process for full tilt. 
and they just the board just voted on it. I just found out around uh, midnight. Um, uh, the bank bank broker just came back from it, um, the meeting that they were willing to process for for full tilt, and um, you know everything was a go ahead. I just just found out about that. I stayed up till about 2 a.m. working, went to bed, um, then got the uh, the pounding on the door. Um, frantic, frantic pounding, uh, pounding, and uh, um, and 6 a.m. Uh, my wife um, runs out of the bed, just makes a beeline to, to the door, um, down the stairs, opens the door up, and you, you hear uh, one of the agents uh, yelling, "Where's Chad? Where's Chad?" And uh, I hop out of bed, and I'm still, I, I'm honestly, I'm dazed at this point. I, I don't know what's going on. I think they're here to interview me for Jeremy Johnson. Um, I don't know what's going on. I'm on my BlackBerry walking down the stairs, and um, you know the 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 agents coming up the stairs. The gun pointed out, um, you know, telling me to to get down, get down here, get down to the ground. Um, you know, I remember telling him, "Hey, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm a good guy. I, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm on like texting my attorney, or I don't even know who I was texting. To be truthful with you." Uh, um, and then I, not that I refused to, but you know, he was just screaming at me in my face and the, the gun came within inches of my face, um, slams me on the ground, handcuffs me from behind and then throws me on my, my living room couch, uh, where, you know, he put me and my, my wife next to each other. I think the head guy had paperwork. I asked him, um, why I was being, um, arrested or why I'm in handcuffs and, um, he said he didn't have that information. The only thing he knew, I think he called it Operation Costa Rica, which really was confusing to me um, because neither Poker Stars or Full Tilt was in Costa Rica. Um, and uh, I asked him, I said, hey, are the uh, why are the boys from New York not here? And uh, just a little feeler, and he said, uh, because they couldn't make it. And I knew at that point it was because of, you know, indictment. Uh, yeah, so you, so you threw out that question, so uh, see how he'd react to uh, New York being mentioned, referring to the Southern District of New York uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, and when he kind of answered positively about their involvement that uh, you knew it had to do with this. Correct. Yeah, so uh, so uh, so as this is happening, you're, you're getting arrested, you, you now know that it has to do with the payment processing and not, not anything about Jeremy Johnson and... Uh, did you think at that point that you're going to be in prison for a very long time. Did you think, oh crap, I, I might be in prison for 20 years? I honestly, I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. I, I didn't know who, why I was indicted. If it wasn't an indictment, maybe I was getting brought down for questioning. I, I don't know what was going on until I got down there. Um, and then, um, the, the public defender's office, uh, federal public defender's office told me I wasn't getting out. He's not even going to bring me in front of the magistrate because of uh, a long arrest record that I didn't have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to. I, I was going to mention that the the other uh, Chad Chad Alley there. Um, what? Uh, so so there was another Chad Alley. I saw a picture of him, and um, <laughs> they they also erroneously reported your age as thirty four, which I actually thought to this day was your age until he said thirty two. In fact, they're thirty four two years ago. So they they showed a picture of of what looked like to me an older, gruff looking guy. And, and then when I, I saw a picture of your wife, I didn't understand it. And I said, you know, if, if your wife is married to, if Destiny Davis is married to this 
Chad Ellie I'm seeing in this picture. I said, this is this is 100% a money marriage. I mean, there's no chance that she was with him for any other reason. And all this time, up until very recently, I thought that was probably the case. If the, I thought that you looked ancient for your age. And uh, and this is me thinking you were 34. <laughs> but but then I guess it turned out that's a different Chad Ellie. I, I don't even know how old he is, but that's nothing to do with you, who has a long arrest record. But that's actually not you. And the picture that's been going around of you uh, up until when you showed up on Twitter and, and posted p- a picture of yourself with, with Harry Reid, uh, this is a completely different guy. And, and I guess he has a, a long arrest record. But that actually, beyond embarrassing you on the Internet uh, of looking super old for your age... Um, this guy, this actually caused you problems because they they didn't want to uh, let you out of jail because your your prison record that you didn't really have. Yeah, he said you're not getting out anytime soon, and I said you know why, and uh, you know he said because of you know your your long record, and I think it was a dozen or so arrests, and I you know the guy didn't even look me up by social security number or date of birth, and you know and I, I told him hey did you look me up by social date of birth anything I mean I'm not this guy I, I haven't been arrested. And, uh, I didn't even have a speeding ticket. And uh, he looked confused. And he's like, well, you know, I'll come back. So he left. Um, that's when my my other uh, lawyer showed my lawyer showed up, one of my lawyers. And, uh, um, you know, I was sitting across from him, and he showed me this huge indictment. And he, uh, I just glanced on the list and, and saw Esai on the top. And uh, I was passed out when I saw that. I, you know, didn't think that could ever happen um, in, in a million years. So. So, so when you say you didn't think it could happen, you didn't believe that uh, you really did not believe that you were at risk when you were processing these payments. You didn't think there was even a, a small risk that something like Black Friday would occur and that they'd come arrest you and you'd go to prison. No, I mean in the the earlier days with the Sletchkoff and the Curtis and the way they were processing, um, you know, and but there was still, you know, they were, you know, it's oh it's pure poker, um, but when the next two years or, or whatnot, uh, almost two years of, of that and having discussions with the DOJ and being, being completely open and transparent. I mean, my last phone call with them, um, you know, they asked me if I was going to continue to process poker. And I said, yes, I said, I am, um, you know, is, unless you could tell me it's illegal, I'm going to continue processing. And, um, I figured, Hey, if, if it's going to, wind up in a civil matter, that's great for the industry because we finally can get, you know, these laws cleared up that what's a game of skill, what's a game of chance, and uh, that that will be good. We were looking for uh, that argument um, to to be able to argue that, not on a, a criminal level, and that gives the, the government the power when they criminally indict somebody to strip away um, a lot of your power, obviously. Um, if it's civil, you have so many tools um, to use, but not... Not on a criminal level. Never in a million years did I think Esai or or anybody would, would be indicted for that matter on that that scale of things. If you were lying to banks, yeah, you you you'll be indicted. And uh, um, no, did, didn't think that. So, so you really felt because I, that surprises me because my my guess about you regarding this whole matter was that there was so much money in it, and you had gotten some legal opinions. But I, I felt it was suicide to process payments if you knew you were going to get busted one day because they're just going to confiscate whatever you made from it, and that'll be that. Even if you've temporarily made a few million, you know, millions of dollars, if it's taken away from you, it doesn't help you uh, unless you can you know, run off to another country and disappear. So I, I felt that uh, my, my guess about you was that you had thought this was a chance this would happen, but 
at the same time, you got some legal opinions that uh, it wasn't illegal and decided, hey, I'll take the chance. I, I think there's a decent chance I'm not going to get in trouble and there's just so much money in it, it's hard to say no. But you're telling me that's not the case, that you actually were just about 100% sure that you were completely clean and that this was a shock that you actually got criminally uh, charged. Beyond a shock. I mean, we had you know the memo um, that I posted on my Twitter that, that said that the, that the government believes that um, you know, processing peer-to-peer poker as long as it's done transparently is, is not a violation. And um, I mean, there's so many things that were happening um, from a lawyer standpoint. Now, looking back at things, I know that you know the lawyers really influenced me um, in, into a lot of things. Uh, now, would I go back and do it again? No, I would not. Um, but looking back at it, you know, you obviously you know the warning signs. There were there was things there, but. Then on the opposite side, when you're asking the, the government, um, is this what I'm doing illegal? Um, I'm sitting here telling you I'm going to continue to process. Um, you know, ESPN's airing every commercial in the world about poker stars in full tilt. They have a game show on on uh, well, Daniel Negreanu or Negreanu on a on a local television channel during uh, Sunday football at one o'clock or whatever it was. Uh, so I mean, it was just <laughs> never did I think that uh, that that would happen. Um, no way. So okay, so that's that's interesting. So that must uh, that must have made it even worse on Black Friday, you know, to have that occur when you you didn't even think this was a risk, and the, and then it just happened. Now now these this legal representation, uh, I'm I'm not talking about the, after you got uh, criminally charged. Uh, before that, you actually hired your own lawyers. I, I saw what you had posted on Twitter. These different legal opinions that uh, processing online poker payments wasn't uh, either wasn't illegal or wasn't likely to be something that would ever be uh, pursued. Uh, were these actually letters written to you or written to other people that uh, that you just got because they were applying to you as well? They were either to the poker companies, um, to the banks directly, and there was two individual um, legal opinions um, of the same language written to me directly. Okay. Now, um, regarding your plea, your, your guilty plea here, um, it was accepted by most people, or you, 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 I'm sorry, you accepted the guilty plea. Most people, myself included, consider that to be a pretty short slap on the wrist sentence of five months. Now, I'm sure to you that doesn't seem feel that way, maybe because uh, you're you're the one actually going to have to go serve time, and I'm just the outsider watching it. But when I heard that you only got five months, I, I was very surprised. I thought it was going to be much more. Uh, why do you think they agreed to give you a sentence like that? Because, uh, you know, I personally feel that what you did is, is uh, even if they want to consider it a crime, is victimless, and I, I don't consider you a criminal at all for, for any of this stuff. But but for everything I've read, it, it seemed like it, it wouldn't be all that difficult to convict you had they go, go to trial and uh, achieve a longer sentence. So what what do you feel or, or even know uh, contributed to you only getting five months and um, and did you provide them useful information that that would have allowed them to go after others better? You know, people like like Ray Bittar or whatever. That did, did you give them information in exchange for the shorter sentence, or that they just uh, decided to give you five months and were afraid they'd lose? What what was behind the five month sentence? Um, you know, it, I, the five month sentence was on the judge. I mean, the judge, uh, my guilty plea was. Um, six to 12 months, I believe, but he could have gave me up to five years. Um, but the guideline range when you get arrested with your 
you have a criminal history category. Um, if you haven't been arrested, you're a one. Um, and then it goes into points. So my points came out to X amount, which put me in the six to 12 month range. But the judge has a, you know, option to give you five years if you wanted to. Um, uh, but, you know, there was no rhyme or reason for, for what they did. The judge believes that poker is, uh, is gambling. And, um, that's why he, he sentences, uh, you know, um, to me is very, very harsh that it's, uh, to, to, you know, to serve any day in jail. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um, well, I'm sure it is. I mean, I, I would be, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that this is no big deal for you personally, because, uh, you know, if I, if I was facing five months in prison, I, I would be dreading it very much as well. And I, I would hate it. And uh, so I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that's, that's nothing and don't worry about it unless you're like a hardened criminal. Uh, I'm just, uh, I, I really expected more, honestly, for, for uh, it, given everything, even if it's unfair. I, I just expected more and I was surprised you got less. But did, did the government attempt to, you know, they knew you had a lot of information. They attempt to say, hey, you know, tell us about Ray Bittar, tell us about uh, uh, other people we're interested in and we'll, we'll see if we can get your sentence shortened. Do you ever have conversations like that? No, um, I, I don't know. And, uh, you know, the, the, if it didn't get to me, I don't know if they did. I, I think I, I heard that they may have, I, I don't know. Um, I know the, the lawyers, um, that when I was first indicted, um, there's a lot of people involved in a lot of shenanigans, um, involved with, with payment processing. I mean, lawyers. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think they were interested in any of that. Um, Never did, you know, other than my, my proffer sessions, um, none of that came. I mean, I, I made my mind up to, to fight it. Um, you know, like I said before, I, I had X amount of money, um, and I gave it all to the lawyers um, to fight this. And that didn't, I didn't have enough. There's no way I was going to go in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I outnumbered in, in, in every way with, with my one lawyer <laughs> with the money I had to go to trial. I mean, you're looking at a, a three-week to a month-long trial. Yep. Um, and, I, and I had a agreement with both both uh, poker companies that if they were found to be doing something illegal, um, you know, then they have to identify me. So, uh, you know, poker stars identified me, and thank God. Um, so I was able to hire, you know, some of the best best lawyers out there. Uh, obviously, Paul Clement and then Kramer Levin of, of New York. Um, but um, the, the plea came, and there was the day, there was the day before I was moving to New York for my trial. I had a, I had a mock trial. Going on the day I went and took my plea um, for Campos. Campos was was involved in that, that mock trial, um, so there's no no rhyme or reason um, of it. Um, you know, it's just a, a very di- difficult process. And uh, you know, one thing people don't know is that um, I gave all my work, uh, my billion hands. We studied. We hired professionals to study these hands and do analysis on them. Um, Randy Heave, the, 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 the professional poker player, um, also uh, uh, he was also going to be up on our trial um, as a as a legal expert. Um, I had to sign off on everything to go to the Eastern District of New York um, after I pled. I gave them permi- permission to uh, send that information over there, and that judge uh, came out with the opinion that poker is a skill-based game and tossed that indictment. So, uh, you know, it's two different realms you know same city obviously but two different places uh you know that, that judge believed poker wasn't gambling so so uh now P- poker stars uh they paid for your legal representation then they did yeah so but you, you had just said before that um you didn't want to go to trial because you didn't have the money to pay for the lawyers if poker stars was paying anyway 
Um, no, 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 no. I had, I, I had X amount of dollars from my lawyers that I did. I would have went to trial, but it would have been hard. I mean, I would have, you know, it's difficult with, with the government. I mean, they have endless amount of resources with, with that. But when, when there was a little bit of a, um, to get this identification um, agreement, we had to go to the government and say, hey, are they doing anything wrong um, by paying my legal fees? And they had to give us a letter saying they're not. Um, so that was actually a, a long time to get that letter. Um, and then finally when we got that letter, they, they identified me. Yeah. Well, um, I hope it, I, I hope the time you spend in prison there is, you know, it's, I know it's going to be unpleasant no matter what, but I hope it, uh, isn't as bad as, uh, as you might be dreading. I, I hope it passes quickly and you're okay there. Because, you know, as, as, as far as I'm concerned, this is not, uh, I, I think people who should be locked up should be the actual criminals, not, not people like you. But, uh, um, regarding your, your appearance on Twitter, um, when you showed up there, I read on the Diamond Flesh interview that you got an anonymous threatening phone call when you appeared on there and you were told to keep your mouth shut and you didn't recognize the voice or anything. But how easy was your phone number to find back in those days? Could this have been like a prank call that, that just some joker got a hold of very easily once you showed up on Twitter? Or do you think this is someone who really wanted you to keep your mouth shut? Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. Um, people don't know. I mean, my number um, was all eight, <laughs> the last four digits, so it was, it was pretty pretty simple. Um, and every lawyer um, involved in this, you have to understand there's, there's a couple core uh, core group of lawyers uh, that had been around in this poker industry back when the flesh coughs and stuff. So um, they're vested on both sides, and they all knew my number. Everyone knew it. Uh, and uh, I have a feeling that... A certain lawyer on the FTC, uh, FTP side of things, uh, a former lawyer, um, you know, gave that information up, or you didn't have somebody else call me. Um, you know, it's as simple as that. I mean, there was a one of my um, partners, former partners. His name was Jeremy, not Jeremy Johnson, with the um, Chicago banks. He was uh, contacted by the FBI after my arrest. Um, you know, obviously he was he was um, a small partner with me. Um, he was more of a sales guy. He was able to, to, uh, you know, speak good and, and, uh, he was a great, great salesman. And, uh, he got, he got contacted by the FBI. And after he, he got contacted the FBI, I sent an email out to a couple lawyers on the information that, that he told me that he told the FBI and, uh, wasn't about a week later, he got a threatening phone call, uh, and text. Uh, so, and that was somebody we were going to subpoena um, to that because they told him to, you know, shut his mouth. It was it was it was basically the same thing. Um, so so it was probably a real phone call there, someone that really wanted you to keep your mouth shut, just not someone just trying to create drama who's just making prank calls. Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so now, what's what's next for you once once the prison sentence is over and you get out in the uh, middle of 2013? Uh, what what is what do you plan to do? You're, you said you're you know, don't really have much cash at this point. Are are you going to get back into the payment processing? I don't mean poker payment processing, but like uh, I know either payday loans and stuff <laughs> you were initially doing back at the beginning, uh, thing, things that are legal. Uh, do, do you plan to get back into that? And and if you do, do you think that uh, any legitimate company would still be willing to work with you at this point because you were you know, convicted for poker payment processing and, uh, um, you know, and, and they Google you, a lot of things come up. <laughs> yeah. 
just a little. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I'm no interested in going into payment processing, uh, getting back into payment processing. Um, actually, when I was going to trial, and uh, I, I was a big big player online. Uh, wasn't that good, but I placed, I think, 18th in the WCOOP on PokerStars. Um, you know, big uh, big player online. So, and I started playing poker, uh, probably a, a tournament, small small tournaments here um, to get into the the live gaming. So, um, you know, I really like to uh, you know continue playing poker and uh, you know go that route. And you know, there's been been some opportunities for me uh, that um, that I'll probably talk about later. Um, but even processing, which is funny, um, banks banks are interested in. in in uh, making money, they, they had a big bank reach out just last week uh, to talk about you know consulting for payment processing, but uh, it's just not something that uh, I'm interested in. That so that so now if if it's if it's legal, if it's not poker and you're not there's there's not any chance anymore that uh, you're going to get in trouble, or, or are you afraid there is a chance that you'll you'll be associated with with characters like Jeremy Johnson again without realizing it and and, and go back to prison? Is it is it fear that uh, there's just too many people in the payment processing industry in general that that aren't on the level and you just don't want to deal with them anymore? Yeah, it's twofold. I mean, you have that. I mean, it's just a you know don't know what's going on. I mean, you have the bad characters that are in. I refuse to surround myself and you know hey I'm I'm guilty I pled guilty and um it's uh you know I I was around bad people and you know I'm myself turned out to be bad I guess you know um <laughs> you know uh but I won't surround myself with with bad people anymore and the payment processing industry to me is just a cruddy cruddy industry and even if you do develop a, a good try to develop something good um you then have to to risk someone like Daniel Sletchkoff coming in and, and lying to you about what that application is, and then you are open for prosecution at that point. So yeah. it's not something that interests me. Yeah, I guess you're going to try your hand as a as a poker player now that uh, now that you you go back to the the player side of things. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, now something I've been interested in recently. I've actually still played some online poker post Black Friday. And uh, the biggest met network out there right now that's open to U.S. players is the Merge Network. And they're still managing to process payments, uh, not as efficiently as PokerStars and Full Tilt ones did, but they, they, they still can. And, uh, you know, the checks are taken. Uh, they were taking about a month, and they took two months. Now I'm hearing that they're fast again. But uh, how do you think they're managing this in a post-Black Friday environment? Are they Are they... Using these small processors, do you think? I know you probably don't have uh, all that much information specifically about Merge, but uh, do, do you think that they're using these little processors, like what we talked to before, that keep stealing from them, and they're just kind of dealing with it? Like, what what do you think is going on with these ones that are uh, these networks like Merge that are still U.S. friendly? You know, um, you know, from what I was uh, told, that a lot of these people are moving offshore, uh, offshore processing, so they're they're taking a bank on the the opposite side of things that completely legal over there and they're processing it uh, so that it comes to the U.S. has to come to a clearing bank um, so it's you know they might be half transparent uh, I don't know I mean I know a, a buddy of mine was processing on uh, not processing sorry playing on cake and I looked at one of his transactions um, and all you have to do is call the bank and ask them you know why is this uh, being processed you know what is this on my account and they have to tell you a legal description it's as simple as that um, so and they weren't being transparent. I know that. So and uh, like the payments, for example, like uh, I, 
I, I know if you get these checks from a foreign bank, it usually goes in this collections process that can take as long as 10 weeks, and the players hate that. Nobody wants to get a check from a, you know, from, from the poker site that they finally won some money on and then wait 8 to 10 weeks to get the money. So I, I know that's a big reason why foreign banks weren't used and why you always had to get to U.S. Bank. Now, I, I know there were some foreign banks that uh, had this association in some way that was backed by U.S. Bank, maybe that's what you're referring to by the uh, the U.S. Clearinghouse. But why, if if it is this easy to have a foreign bank and then just uh, somehow have a U.S. bank uh, backing the money in some way, uh, why don't they all do it this way? Why why go through all the the lying about the nature of the transactions and uh, why, why involve U.S. banks at all if it's just that simple? Uh, I mean. It's- depends on what bank you have offshore. I mean, if you have a big enough bank offshore, their U.S. Um, partner or who, who they use to clear the transaction probably won't ask them <laughs> um, too much about those transactions because they're processing millions and millions and millions of transactions. So um, other than that, they have to. I mean, if you're taking a credit card transaction right now, you have to be miscoding. It's a 100% you're miscoding because uh, Visa and MasterCard will not issue that. Uh, they'll issue a money-transmitting code, um, which you can argue that you're money transmitting, but you're still processing for, you know, poker. Uh, so. But what about like the payouts? Like if I receive a check from Merge for two thousand uh, um, dollars, you, you think that's coming from a foreign bank that then the payable through a U.S. bank? And if so, why 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 wasn't that just always done that way? I don't know. You know, our payouts um, are. You know, we received opinions on payouts that there's no nothing in the law for payouts um, as far as um, anything, you know, as regards to legality-wise, it never covered payouts. Um, so we received many memos on that, but I don't I don't know. I don't know, oh, that's know where the payouts are coming from. So you think maybe the payouts are, are, are not as risky for them because they're actually giving money to, to people rather than taking money? Correct. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, um, so uh, how likely is it, in your opinion that Full Tilt knew in advance that Black Friday was coming soon. Like, like for example, one of the stories I see that is not reported very much, even at the time when it happened and even after Black Friday, was that uh, uh, J.D. Newitt, who was a... I don't know how high he was in the organization, but I know he worked just day and night for Full Tilt and was a pretty visible guy there. For those of you that uh, followed the drama on 2 Plus 2, he was the one who accidentally forwarded that uh, Howard Letterer inter- or accidentally let the Howard Letterer email about uh, Gobble Boy slip out about the freak and the weird dude. So he got fired, uh, probably because of that. I heard for some other reasons too, but that doesn't really matter. But what is important is that J.D. Newitt, who knew all kinds of things about Full Tilt, testified in front of a grand jury in September 2010, uh, seven months before Black Friday. Uh, I remember reading about that, and no one gave it much attention. But full tilt, they had to have known that someone who knew a lot about their organization testified in front of a grand jury about them in September 2010. Uh, Do you think that, uh, or do you know, that full tilt was... uh, they had a reason to believe that a Black Friday was coming very soon? And, uh, you know, do you believe that was true, that they knew, or do you think they were taken by complete surprise? You know, I don't, I, I don't what I know is that um, amongst the lawyers and, you know, who, who was communicating to me uh, in the lame duck session in 2010, um, 
you know, everyone thought that that was going through, and there were settlement discussions with the Department of Justice civilly, um, nothing criminally. Again, that's why it's a bigger shock that there were uh, discussions going on that they were, um, they wanted to, hey, we're, we want to find you, settle civilly. Um, and the exact thing I was told is that if, if poker stars are full tilt, they're going to continue to process. They just have to have the attorney general of each state that they're processing sign off on it. And that was what was told to me by their counsel. Um, so, you know, I don't know if they know any different. I know Ray went to meet with uh, Reed in D.C., um, you know, before, um, you know, 2011. Um, so, you know, again, I don't know their inner workings, uh, you know, what exactly they knew. I just know what their lawyers knew and what the lawyers were telling me in my direct communication with Esai um, about, you know, the, the, the bill and, and what was happening. So. Yeah, so um, you know, there's been various pictures circulating. You mentioned Harry Reid. There's been various pictures circulating uh, involving Harry Reid that, that you've been putting out, um, with, both with you and him together and uh, with various people at Full Tilt, like Howard Lederer with him. So uh, when you met Harry Reid, did he know that you were an online poker payment processor? And, and also, did he know when he met Howard Lederer that Howard owned a healthy percentage of Full Tilt? I, you know, I don't. I know Howard gave a speech um, when I met when I that picture when I was talking to uh, to, to Reed. I mean, he was very, uh, you know, I guess uh, systematic or whatever. He would just go around and when he was talking to me, it wasn't about. Um, I think he was talking about his Southwest air flight that he took in. It was nothing about processing poker, but he knew, um, you know, who everyone was. I mean, he knew that this was full tilt, that they were, you know, that's what Howard's speech was about was um, that the, the gambling laws need to be clearly defined and, um, and, and, and things like that. I mean, it was very, very, very boring uh, speech by Reed, I mean, by uh, uh, Howard, but uh, it was informative and Reed, you know, he was there to collect checks. I mean, he was taken from Full Tilt and Poker Stars had representatives there. Um, you know, PPA was there. So, so was uh, this like this? So, this was like a fundraising thing. Yes, fundraising. Yes. So that's that's where this was from—a fundraiser where uh, Full Tilt showed up, the PPA showed up, and they, you know, they they wrote checks to read. And uh, uh, was this during his uh, 2010 campaign? Correct. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, Interesting. So, and did he know? So, you don't know if he knew that Howard actually owned a large part of Full Tilt rather than was just a spokesman or a spokespro. I don't know. Okay, I, I, I was mean, just Ray, curious. Ray was sitting right next to him. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just thought it would be funny that you know that uh, not that Reed is you know expected to do any kind of law enforcement, but it'd be funny just uh, Harry Reed of all people if he if he knew that uh, and he's taking money from uh, you know from Howard Letterer on behalf of an illegal poker site. But uh, I was just curious about that, seeing those pictures. Um, so, so that's that's it for all the questions I had personally. There's a few that came from the chat room here, and uh, so I'll ask you these uh, three questions in the chat, and then I'll see if anybody wants to call in. Um, I, I suspect we'll only get calls if people uh, have questions that I didn't get to that I didn't ask in the chat room. But uh, the, the question number one from the chat room was. Uh, do you think that Daniel Svetkov had much to do with Black Friday? I do. I, I mean, it was clear that, uh, you know, he was indicted, obviously, a year before. They, you know, were going to, you know, do do the indictments uh, because it was transparent. Um, but then the processing continued. There was, 
Um, unfortunately, I continued processing. If I had stopped processing, um, I think the U.S. market would have went away, and then they would solve their answer to their questions uh, or their pursuit, I guess. Um, but you know, you have to look at it. Um, you know, the Arizona Credit Union that was processing poker. I think they were processing the most poker. Um, they didn't get indicted. Um, <laughs> so it, there's, like I said, there's hundreds of payment processors out there that didn't, um, especially specifically the, the Arizona Credit Union didn't get indicted. Uh, so why didn't they get indicted? Because they were, they didn't deal with the Dana Sletchkoffs or the Curtis Popes or the, or me, um, Jeremy Johnson's. They were on their own and they were, um, only truly transparent from the, from the beginning. So, um, that's it. <laughs> Interesting. So, so the now uh, another question from the chat room: What kind of physical toll, if any, did this have on you? Did you gain weight? Did you lose hair? If, you, if we, I think the picture of you with uh, Harry Reid is from 2010. If I saw you today, would I think you've uh, aged or changed a lot, or do you look pretty similar? <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely gained weight. I think I've gained about uh, 30, 40 pounds. I mean, I've uh, put on some weight, 30 pounds. Uh, no hair loss or anything. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. You know, you're going to prison, so why not eat while you can? Eat the pizza, eat the spaghetti, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're not going to eat in there. And uh, I call it fat boy prison where I'm going. I mean, that's uh, not going to. Obviously, there's no good food. You're you're in cells or, or whatnot. I don't know where I'm going yet, uh, but I know that there's uh, there's not good food or food that you'd want to eat. So yeah, that's uh, that's actually a good. Stress. Uh, that brings me to another question I just thought about uh, with the prison. Are you going to go to some kind of minimum security prison where you're with, uh, you know, other people like yourself there, where you're not going to be with dangerous criminals, or uh, do you know anything about that? Like what type of prison you're going to be in? You know, I don't. You don't get um, um, designated until a couple, you know, a week to a couple of days before uh, the January third date. Um, you know, supposedly you're supposed to go to a, a federal camp. Uh, but since it's uh, under a year, uh, you could wind up anywhere. I know John Campos wound up at a federal camp, um, but I, I just don't know. What is a federal camp? Like a war camp? It's a uh, minimum security okay. prison. Um, so. <laughs> That's, yeah. I, I don't know much uh, other than that. I mean, I've seen shows of uh, Locked Up, and I, don't, I hope to God I don't end up like yeah, yeah. I mean, that's if, like if I was facing five months of prison, I think the biggest thing to me would be who's going to be in there with me. Like it, it'd always be lousy to be locked up for five months, but um, uh, you know, depending on who's in there with you makes a huge difference. Uh, I, I have a call here. Uh, caller, you're on the air with Chad Ellie. Hey, Chad. Have you ever seen Tom Dwan? Okay. I, I, you, you don't even want to. <laughs> you, 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 I, think you know the, <laughs> I think you know the rest of that question. Oh, that was great. Okay, so. <laughs> no is the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. That, I'm sure that guy's going to be happy that you answered the question. Even you know, I didn't let him totally get it out. But uh, okay, the the final question here. That that, that funny. The, the call actually looked like it came from Hawaii too. That's why I didn't suspect it. This guy is from Brooklyn, so he uh, he fooled me here with a fake caller ID. <laughs> anyway, um, last question from the chat room. And it's not about Tom Dwan. How much would you say total you processed, uh, both in the number of deposits and the total uh, dollars that was processed? 
<laughs> Just as a wild guess, know. if you don't I mean, know. I mean, I'd say maybe between everyone that I was associated with, a billion dollars. Not that I physically did it, um, but anyone that, you know, you take the Fletchkoffs, the Johnsons, and, um, you know, moving on, I think there was a total. You know, I think Fletchkoff did 550, Curtis Pope and those guys. Uh, I think uh, Sunfirst did 250. I think they did 350, uh, not including deposits, I mean, uh, credits. So, um, And then, you know, obviously all American in New Cities was a, a lot smaller of a, of a deal. Yeah, and I thought of one other thing here before we're we're done. Uh, you mentioned the fine you paid was a uh, five hundred thousand dollars to the government, is it this like the civil civil settlement? But you also said that um, you you were cash broke. Where did you come up with the five hundred thousand? Did it come from from your house, or did you did it was this some money you made later on from the Chicago banks? Uh, where where did that half a million come from if you didn't have any cash? Yeah, yeah. When I um, obviously opened the the processing solutions and. In Chicago, I was um, I owned that, though there was profits driven from there, but um, also had money from uh, you know my prior my prior company before um, Elite Debit. So when I was identified, uh, I was able to recoup some of my lawyer payments from that. And and so today, where you stand right now, are you uh, are you in okay financial shape, or is it uh, is it bad shape? Like what what's uh, where do you stand right at this moment? Uh, you know, since we're all done with this. Yeah, I mean, I have a house, a uh, beautiful wife, and uh, cars, and some dogs. So, but you, you don't have um, a lot of cash at the moment. No, no, oh. definitely not. That's that's unfortunate. That, uh, but I, I guess if you did, they'd they'd probably have wanted a lot of that anyway. So, yeah, I have to imagine where the, the five hundred mark came from was how much uh, do you have, and we wanted it. So. Yeah, that that sounds like the government. I know. All right. Well, you know, I appreciate very much you coming on and answering all these questions, and uh, you know, thank you for braving through the technical difficulties. I have to admit that at the beginning, when we were just going down constantly, I was uh, afraid this uh, this whole thing was going to fall apart after all the effort I put into to get this interview to happen. But I'm glad that it is kind of stabilized, and uh, um, you gave very good answers to the questions. I'm, I'm glad that uh, pretty much everything I asked, you, you gave an answer. You didn't say, no, I can't comment or I don't want to say. You just you know spit out an answer. I, I saw some people uh, in the chat room were happy to see that uh, you, know, you were forthcoming here. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, if you ever want to a voice to, to say anything uh, that, that you want to get out to the, the poker community, uh, you can always use the site, either, you know, the forum or... Uh, um, or on this radio show, which we have every Tuesday at 7 p.m., uh, this this is, this site does not have any kind of sponsors or anything. I don't care who I piss off. I just uh, I, I just like to the tr- I like the truth to get out, and that's I have no partners. I have no uh, I mean I have a radio co-host, but I have no I'm the full owner of this site. I have no sponsors. I just uh, uh, and I don't care what anyone thinks. So anytime you want to say anything, you're welcome to. And uh, you know if, uh, I'm sure it'll. Uh, I hope that uh, everything turns out okay for you after. Uh, prison sentence is complete and uh sounds like you know so, sounds like you could have come out of this worse i mean you're you're uh uh after the five months are done you'll you'll still have your wife you'll still have your house and your car and all that and you you know can get started again and you're only uh, 32 years old so it's uh i it's uh yeah appreciate you having me we're uh i guess you have a user what website yeb site that's supposed to call in oh is, yeah <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Yebsite, let me tell you a little bit about Yebsite. Actually, I guess I can ask you about uh, 
what what you think of this. Yebsite, he approached me in uh oh, I don't know, sometime before Black Friday, you know, it was on full tilt. He said he wanted to play me heads up in, in Limit Hold'em for uh some decent stakes for like you know and for like a two thousand dollar freeze out and, and we played and, and I beat him. And um, he did this with other people. Now, me, he didn't tell what he was really pulling here, but it turned out he was making a lot of phony e-check deposits to Full Tilt and uh, under a, a million different accounts and then dumping it to people. Now, with me, he just portrayed it as like a, like a regular match. But with other people, he actually made deals with them that uh, you know he'll dump the money to them and then th- they'll, they'll cash out and they'll, they'll split the profits. Uh, I never knew how he did this, but I had to assume... And I guess being someone who was a payment processor, you'll probably know this better than me. I had to assume the way he was pulling this was just by making up a bunch of new accounts in full tilt, entering like totally phony bank information, and because of the backlog, it was getting processed. Do you think that's what he was pulling? Well, you would have had to put a correct bank name and a routing number, which is public access, first nine digits on a check, because um, we would have verified. Uh, those, or I'm sure Full Tilt would have verified those. Uh, so he, maybe he just put in a real account number and then it just didn't get processed knowing that. Um, yeah, I don't he, know. But he, I'm assuming, I mean, Full Tilt did have, you know, a level of scrubbing to take place on, on phony things, but it could have got through. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was getting a lot of them through, and in fact, he later on when I heard about this and I told him, I said, "Yep, site, you should have told me about this." I like, I what bothered me most about this is I didn't want to get my full tilt account closed, like being accused of uh, receiving stolen chips, and you know, I I said I I didn't want to be party to this, and and he said, "Look, I can do this so easily," and like he he, he wanted me to do it again with him, and once I knew what was going on, I said, "You know, forget it, I'm not doing it." But uh, um, he he seemed to imply to me that he could do this at will. And it, maybe it was as easy as just simply coming up with a routing number and a bank name, which, as you said, is very easy to find on Google. And maybe he was abusing it. I wonder if, if that's true, how many other Yeb sites were out there doing this. And uh, uh, But you know, he always made these uh, these funny little avatars, like, like Ray Bittar's face with I love E-Check stamped on his forehead. So... <laughs> That's why people were asking. That's why people were asking if Yebsite would call in, and I'm actually surprised the Yebsite's not listening or, or calling in. But I have a feeling that the last-minute nature of this uh, program is, is the reason that uh, Yebsite wasn't there. But I, you know, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, uh, I, I was always kind of wondering what he was doing. So you th- you think that probably was it? He pr- they probably just didn't have very good a very good way to check this on full tilt, and with the backlog. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he would have. Uh, yeah, they, they. I mean, they would have had some layer of uh, protection, uh, but, you know, once you, if you put in a Bank Bank of America routing number and, you know, as long as, you know, you put that account number, fake account number, there's no way they can yeah, I mean, until yeah, like comes back. right, right. Like, like after I, I thought about this, I'm like, wow, yeah, I, I, they probably, I probably can see why he was getting it through if they really didn't have a processor doing this, if they, they, there's not all that much they can check, so. Uh, so I, I guess the last question before we go, just from the chat room, uh, uh, do you play any online poker now on the remaining U.S. facing networks? Uh, no, 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 no. The U.S. money sites, and no, I play free to play poker on, on on various different sites, but not uh not cash cash sites. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I know it took uh, you know over two hours to get all this done, but uh, you. 
answered everything I wanted to know. And uh, what the chat room wanted to know, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, feel free to contact me anytime. And I will be uh, watching you on Twitter and uh, reporting on what do you say there. It's a very interesting account that's uh, Black Friday Chad on Twitter, exactly as it sounds. Black Friday Chad, if anybody wants to follow him. And uh, anything else you'd just like to say, to general statement or whatever you'd like to say, uh, to the public listening to this show, both live and in our podcast. I don't really have anything more. Two two hours. Uh, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate the uh, the, the poker community. And um, you know, the reason why I came out on Twitter was uh, I was you know like a volcano, just waiting to erupt. I couldn't sit there quiet anymore. Letter files uh, came out, and uh, it was just absurd to continue reading, uh, listening to what what he was saying, and everyone continuing to to lie and it's just get past all that um and i really wanted to, to to let everyone know about the stolen funds in, in utah everyone knew about Sledgekoff, um but the, the poker players were getting paid that day and you know he just ran off with that so i thought that was important for everyone to know and um you know who knows where that money is but feel free to call me anytime this time i'll I'll uh, definitely try, uh, definitely answer before I, I, I promised somebody I would talk to her first. So um, now, uh, yeah, feel free if you want to buzz me, I'll uh, I'll pick up. All right, appreciate that. Thank you for coming on, Chad, and uh, very good interview. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay, goodbye. So that was Chad Ellie. I, I thought it was a good interview. Uh, wasn't very good at the beginning with the technical problems, but. Uh, Fortunately, uh, recovered. I know it cut a few times, so if you're listening to this in the archives and you heard a few weird cuts, that's uh, what happened. But uh, um, other than that, I, I thought the interview went well. And uh, no thanks to One Step with his uh, call-in question about Tom Dwan. But uh, fortunately, Chad Ellie enjoyed the uh, the question, despite <laughs> my request for people not to do that. Uh, we will return with radio on Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m., um, will be the regular scheduled time, regular scheduled type of show. Uh, this is a little special, the Black Friday on Black Friday show. Uh, if you want to hear this, it will be in the archives by itself as a separate episode. I'm not going to play it again on Tuesday. I may talk about it a bit, but uh, if, if you want to hear it again, just find it in the archives. It will be on Stitcher and iTunes, uh, the same way our regular Tuesday shows are. And I apologize for not appearing on Tuesday. Uh, you can't tell it by listening to me now, but on Tuesday I had a pretty bad cold to where I would not have been able to talk for very long, and my girlfriend was sick with something even worse, and uh, I couldn't ask her to take care of my son Benjamin while I was attempting to do the radio show with the way she was feeling, so I, I figured it would take a few days for all this to clear, so there's no point for us to... Uh, try to do the show, but it will be coming back on Tuesday, and I apologize for our erratic scheduling recently with uh, the show kind of jumping around days, but uh, uh, hopefully that'll be the end, and we will be on every Tuesday at 7, and Brandon will be back. I uh, apologize for his lack of presence today, but uh, it was a very last-minute thing, and he couldn't make it, and uh, you know, Chad Ellie was uh, a little bit uh, difficult to get scheduled here, so I didn't want to wait till Brandon could make it. I wanted to grab Chad while I could, and I'm glad that I did. But uh, for those of you missing Brandon, he will be back on Tuesday. Anyway. I, I think I've said everything. I don't know what to say now for doing this uh, little closing song. 
As I said, we will return November 27th, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, and we will have a free roll and all our usual stuff. If you are new to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, this is not the way the show typically is. Uh, this was a very serious show. The show was all about the Chad Ellie interview and all this uh, important things, all the important information he had to give us. Uh, usually our show's a mixture of poker news, poker analysis, and comedy. We make prank calls, we do crazy things. It's, a, it's, it's not a completely serious show. It's kind of a serious and comedy show, where today was all serious. So if you're new to the show, I suggest you check out the Tuesday program, our weekly program called the Druff and Drexel Show with uh, myself, Todd Dandruff, would tell us, and Brandon Drexel Gerson. It's different than any of the other poker shows out there. I, I think you might enjoy it if you check it out if you haven't heard it before. And we have a free roll every week, typically for around 50 bucks of real cash money. No uh, shady payment processing required. I'll just ship it to you out on PayPal. And, you know, you heard Chad Ellie. It's a uh, Paying out winnings is not breaking the law. It's only depositing it. There's no depositing in my poker room because it's all play money, and you can't lose there. All you can do is win. So uh, that will be on Tuesday and every Tuesday at 7 o'clock Pacific Time with my co-host Brandon Drexel Gerson. I'd like to thank Chad Ellie once again for coming on the show. He is... Uh, Facing a five-month prison sentence, and it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard knowing that that's uh, what you have to look forward to and just dread it every day. But I'm very glad he came out and is speaking to the poker world and just letting all these facts fly so us, the poker players, can know what really happened. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in four days. Shalom. Shalom.